Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Hancock from the love bus, love bus. We're back in Bangor, Maine, back on the bus, and freaking you, 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 you turn on computers and you, and stuff happens. I mean, you know, it's just a thing. So sorry we're starting a little bit late. But John Snyzen is a good friend, known for a long time. He's up in Canada, Manitoba, Winnip- Winnipeg. One of those is kind of a province, and one of them is a city. I don't know which one. I don't care. But, you know, what happens is he has... Uh, the economictruth.org and he's done a lot of work on understanding economics and doing the whatever. I, and and I, when I need to understand something, I, John, hit me understand. But he has a telegram that you know I, I belong to on a channel and a lot of the stuff you know I put over on Declare Your Independence and, and the stuff that he likes he puts over up on Declare Your Independence telegram also. But um, I put, you know, some more. I go, hey, how come you didn't put this one up, man? What up? So yeah. one of these that he had up there just really got my attention. And I, we're going to drill down on a whole bunch of economic stuff going on because there's a lot of stuff going on. But the one, this one thing that he put up was just, it just freaked me. I'm like, what the crap? You, you can't make this stuff up. So I'm going to put it up here on the, here, uh, this one. Yeah, yeah, there we go. All right, so I want you to go ahead and explain it to me, you know, what this is. Now, there is a, um, let's see, I push all the right buttons there. Creative Society, International Project. Human life is the highest value, uh, but you're not a woman until you get an abortion, I'm sure. But the um, this is a site that is what? Tell us all about it, John. I, I glanced through this, read it, and I'm going, yep, yeah. here we go. All right, where did you find this? And tell me all about it. Well, I, I got introduced to it by somebody on LinkedIn, just sent it to me. Uh, look, let's see here, what did they say? Ever heard of the Creative Society, John? It's a global project for humanity dedicated to steering our civilization away from self-destruction. Uh, and then he said, learn more at uh, creativesociety.com. Reach out if you have any questions. Best regards, Velik Haznatarliev. Well, what is that? What kind of language is that, do you think? Uh, it's a... Uh, that's... It's not American. Uh, no, no. It's 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 probably Balkans or in uh, like uh, in the... Um, 
what do you call that? Uh, it's not Arab country, but it's like Armenia, Serbia, Croatia. Well, even above that, uh, uh, Armenia. Like, yeah, yeah, all those countries there. So yeah, it's whatever. probably from there somewhere. But what I looked when I looked it up, there's actually a lot of uh, like third world countries involved in this project. Uh, which is very interesting because it's you know they uh, they're trying to go after the poor and the uh, the people with the least amount of money to you know uh, rile them up into you know friends because you're gonna die in 13 years. Uh, I think there's like a literally like a timer even on their website somewhere that I found that like counts down to like 13 years left to live or something. Uh, and um, yeah, so they basically are. Uh, you know, uh, part of like kind of the uh, the NGO movement of the United Nations, but they're just like way more extremists than others. Are they uh, associated with the United Nations? There's a lot of people on there that like, uh, especially their experts that are kind of associated with. Uh, so with, it's a they them those Bilderberg and WEF of the people. Yeah, exactly. Problem. It's another NGO that's out there, you know, pushing. Uh, you know, uh, conspiracies around, and uh, and we're trying to, you know, uh, expose these people. But you know, I, if you go and look at their whole thing, like it's basically, you know, the UN modus operandi: take away private ownership of property, you know, give everybody free currency, you know, uh, uh, and uh, we're gonna have a kumbaya moment before we die or something. Um, uh, you know, uh, they they actually like. As you can see here, upon the birth, so they basically they're promoting growth, which they kind of know that you know we're in actually everybody's like oh deep uh, overpopulation, you know. Uh, I'm more on the boat because when you look at demographics, you know that uh, we're actually in a depopulation event uh, naturally, both from you know uh, certain forces that they put upon us, but also you know the uh, the growth rate of humanity, especially in the Western countries, are declining rapidly here in Canada. They're they're importing a million um, a million uh, immigrants every day, or any, uh, no every day every year, uh, in order to you know keep Canada from not collapsing. Because uh, if you don't get you know a growth in the economy and growth in debt, you know the whole debt based system will collapse because it needs constant growth to grow. So uh, yeah, they I think they're he's going to pay for all afraid. the entitlements. You know, and we have Japan is losing six hundred thousand people a year. They're closing yeah. schools. They're closing bit. I mean, they're just especially the school thing. And you know, probably five eight years ago, I remember they were selling more adult diapers than kid diapers. I'm like, yeah. wow. Now here it says to ensure complete implementation of creative society. Like, oh, I can't wait. It is necessary to introduce a new model of economy and new technologies, as well as to reorganize many processes in society. The Great Reset. Therefore, a transition period to the creative society is needed, which may last five to six years. Damn, that's pretty damn quick, whatever the hell they're doing. According to preliminary estimations, already during the transition period to the creative society, every person by birthright will receive the following benefits by birthright. <laughs> birthright, you get a monthly universal basic income equivalent to U.S. dollars, 10000 for every adult. Monthly. Of course, I'll buy you a loaf of bread, but, you know, this is, <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. A one-time payment equivalent to United States dollars of 100000 upon the birth of the first child, 200000 upon the birth of the second child, and so on. A monthly payment equivalent 
to 5000 for every child up to six years old, inclusive, and 7000 for a child seven years old and matured. This is, I, I, wow. Wow. What, wow. What, what is the goal here? What, what are they talking about? Well, it's pretty, pretty obvious what the, their goal is. I don't know. Like, I think these people are just completely economically illiterate, maybe. Uh, that might be the case, but uh again like it's uh if if we go further up there there's a couple other points that we could touch upon you know it's uh um you know the uh guaranteed economic stability no inflation economic defaults or crisis stable fixed prices worldwide you know the only uh, way you're gonna accomplish that is by price controls which we know doesn't work the roman empire you know got destroyed trying to put in the edict of prices you know and and uh prices stable by price controls like it it happens you know during natural disasters they put up you know price control you can't price gouge but then nobody comes in to help and provide extra uh you know assets and commodities to the people in need and then of course you know the there's a massive lack of those things because of price controls and and nobody wants to produce because they can't sell it at a right price to actually make a profit to survive Right, so it's totally insanity, and then limited use of gas, electricity, water. Oh, that's uh, oh, free of charge. We gotta get free electricity, Ernie, and we gotta use gas, electricity. Um, you know, uh, yeah, we, we're not. Yeah, that's that sounds pretty good. Privately owned our debt. and spacious, comfortable, free housing with a minimum six hundred fifty square feet per person, high-quality health care, free of charge, high-quality education, anywhere in the world, free of charge, four-hour work we're gonna, days. Yeah, but we're going to guarantee economic stability and no inflation. Four-hour work price. days. You know, four <laughs> work days a week with equally high salaries worldwide for identical positions, blah, 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 blah. Well, I agree with one thing here, you know, visa-free travel and unrestricted movement worldwide. Yes, please. <laughs> if let's uh if you sign uh, up if you yeah. totally agree if 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 look into look into the orb right look into the orb Ernie. right now this is one thing that they're not going to do you're not going to yeah. be able to build your own home you're not going to be able to build on land that you own you're not going to be able to go and grow your own food you're not going to and they, they, i just want to know one thing where's the food in here I didn't see anything about food. They're going to use just food to give free stuff. You. Just going to give free stuff. I, fine. Don't ask questions, Ernie. You want food? You gotta. You gotta <laughs> click your heels and Zeke Heil or something. This yeah. is so scary. You know, yeah, and, and who? A lot that? of these. Everybody has these ideas these days. This, this come from the United Nations, you know, and and the Malthusian ideas out there, and 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 like a total like misunderstanding because oh we're printing currency and it doesn't affect anything but meanwhile since 2020 we you know we doubled like the debt here in canada the government and we doubled the monetary supply and prices have skyrocketed it's like it's like they live in like i don't know where they come from these guys maybe they're aliens or any that haven't you know had the monetary system yet then they're trying to uh you know tell us like oh join us and then we'll give you this you maybe they had it on their own planet and they failed and now they're trying to push it upon us okay i want to do these two things here and then we'll talk about it yeah by exercising their right the informing stage step one step two step one we're going to tell you what we're going to do to you then we're going to do it get over it all right 
By exercising their rights and freedoms, people inform others about the creative society. Yeah, come join. In this way, a legitimate and peaceful public demand is created for building the creative society all over the world. The sooner the majority of people form this demand, the sooner it will be possible to move on to the next stage of building the creative society. And the other 49% just get over it, okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're just going to do it. Once the majority of people in all countries of the world support the creative society, you know, based on a poll that they here did, we're going, we're doing an election. Yeah, yeah, that'll, that'll do it. A world referendum will be prepared, a world referendum, oh my God, and held to adopt the creative model of development as the only acceptable and necessary for the survival of humankind. This is Brave New World. Mm. This, this is this oh, yeah. is all the dystopian novels and everything wrapped in the one. They're doing... So I need to know who is doing this. Now, if you go back to the front page and you scroll down, how did the Creative Society originate? All right, well, let's just talk about that. The largest volunteer social survey conducted over the course of 10 years revealed a real demand for a new format of society. Worldwide. The answers from millions of people in 180 different countries confirmed that the highest priority in society would be the value of human life. So I, I'm not even sure what that means. Every person you gotta you gotta love uh, you gotta love these uh, you know elites and, and uh, academics and their words that has no meaning. <laughs> well the, the value of human life, which means what? We've got to you know, it's climate change we got to deal with global. It's not global warming; it's global boiling. I mean, you know, they and then of course, you know, so you would have any kind of religious value. They would go, yeah, and the unborn. Well, they're going, oh no, 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 you got to have abortions. You know, we don't value human life that much. Every participant in the social survey was asked the same question: What kind of a world would you like to live in? A free one, out of my face. That's what I want. Well, I bet you they it, there was like the, they gave you the answers too. Like, oh, well, how do you sure. get asked? <laughs> would, would you like to be poked in the eye with a sharp stick, or would you like to live in uh, you know what we want? Based on the responses, eight pillars were formed and became the basis for building a society of a new format called the Creative Society. In order to implement it. People from all over the world are currently uniting and taking action within the project at the same time. So then it goes down funding. Here we go. Who funds a creative society project? All actions and activities within the framework of the Creative Society Project are carried out solely by the project participants themselves on their initiative, by their choice and willingness, and at the expense of their own funds. By force, or I, I don't know what this means. The Creative Society Project does not have bank accounts, finance, or property, does not accumulate funds, and does not make any profit. The Creative Society is an entirely volunteer based project run by aliens <laughs> operating within the legal framework. It represents solely the interest of people themselves rather than the specific states, parties, or organizations. So states, parties, countries, that's all gone. The legal basis for activities of individuals in the Creative Society Project, aimed at building, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I get New World Order crap, okay? So this is, so did you drill down on this at all? Or you just said, because this, man, it definitely I, I got my watched- attention. Yeah, I watched some of their videos, and basically, it's uh, if you go to YouTube, they have their own channel, and it's basically like uh, 
you know, watching Al Gore saying that we're all going to drown in 2013, you know, type of videos. So I don't know, like, and there's experts, they have experts on there that are talking about that, you know, if you don't do anything, we will all die. You know, it's all about fair. They they know that they will use fair to try to convince people, you know, to get uh, get involved with any kind of project. And, and who wouldn't want like uh, 10,000 US dollars free a month? That's a it lot more matter. than I make currently. That doesn't matter if, right? it, if it doesn't buy you anything. <laughs> You know, cause yeah. with all the you know crap that's going on, ten thousand. You think inflate? I just went. I went to um, a convenience store. Well, it's a little market called Trading Wind. Whatever. You know, it's close by here where we have the bus. And I go in there, and I got uh, four sticks of butter. I got um, a uh, a pint of milk because they didn't have creamer for my coffee. Damn it! So I, I got a pint of milk. I got uh, or a quart, a quart of milk, and then it was um, some banana chips. Um, I mean, like nothing. I mean, it, it one little bitty, well, those mini grocery bags, you know. Oh yeah, and I got you know some vanilla ice cream, so I, I splurged. But I got nothing. I mean, it was probably <laughs> seven, eight items. It was forty nine dollars, and I go, <laughs> what the crap? So you think inflation on food and stuff is bad? Now you wait. And you wait until this crap starts coming in. That $10,000 don't mean squat. And I'm going to get a house, yeah? Who's going to build them? Can I build my own? No. We do the Occupy the Land thing. We get to Arizona. That's why we're up here. Derek and I. Well, you're going to get, here. don't worry. You're going to get a minimum of 620 square foot, though, Ernie. So. Yeah. That's a, that's a shipping container. Down by the light rail system with everything a body needs gruel coming out of the And, and it didn't say anything about property size. <laughs> there is not going to... No! There, there, no meat. Oh, I did a show with... Uh, what is today? Thursday. Last night, I did a show with James Corbett. We do every other week. And, you know, we're going on, and I you know, was going off on all the different news stuff. You know, a lot of stuff we'll cover. And um, I go, James, you know, what's up? Uh, before we get going, man, tell me what's up with you. You know, what, what, what scared the crap out of you since we talked, you know, last couple of weeks? He goes, um, ticks are now giving you a disease that makes you allergic to meat. And I go, what? I looked at Yeah, up, that's, sure that's been crap. a thing here, too. Yeah. How does that even work? You get, you're all of a sudden, boom, you eat meat and you start breaking out in hives and hurling. What does that, what, what happens? How are you allergic to meat? I, I yeah, I, I don't even know how how it works, but you know, I assume the what was it Plum Island where suddenly Lyme disease, uh, you know, right. and Lyme From that ticks. yeah that yeah exactly, and that was a biological warfare lab. You know, who knows what these bastards are up to? You know, look at what uh, you know GMO mosquitoes that's uh, around and. Who knows what the yeah, and then you know vaccinate people through their lettuce, you know all this kind of uh, insane behavior that's out there because they just want you to eat synthetic stuff. They, you know, uh, Bill uh, Bill Gates he has his own garden, you know, he eats uh, his own fresh fruit and you know non GMO and and organic, you know, meat or whatever he wants. But uh, it's for the peasants, you know, like we're overpopulated, but then. People in the elite sectors are saying that we're underpopulated and like it's confusing. And then uh, you just got to look at their beliefs and most of their beliefs are Malthusian, which basically means, you know, that there's too many people. We got to get rid of most of them. Uh, And uh, it just goes down to that, like looking at most most of the elites that are, you know, in the ESG movement and all this stuff that are talking about, you know, we got to 
you know, get uh, get onto the train and reduce our, you know, carbon footprint and all this stuff. Uh, the, you know, what it all comes down to, they're all like, uh, you know, when you ask more questions to them, most of them are Malthusians. So they basically think it's too many people. You know, we got to get the population down. Uh, but what they don't understand is, you know, when population goes into a collapse, you know, there's n- nobody left to do anything. And how are we going to produce anything? How are we going to fix anything? You know, it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're probably some of the dumbest people. You know, I think it's a religion, basically, you know, the transhumanist movement, you know, with AI and all this stuff that, oh, we're just going to have robots do everything for us. You know, who needs all these uh, useless peasants? Uh, but again, that's, you know, a, uh, I, I think a, a pipe dream that's, you know, dreamed up by basically religion. You know, that yeah, thing's it's a religion. That digging out, yeah. That's how yeah. these guys, you know, look at. All right, here's the story. Alpha-gal syndrome, where the heck that is, meat allergy linked to tick bites rising. CDC says, the CDC, the rate of Americans developing a rare meat allergy from tick bites is rising, rising, right? Researchers say it may have already impacted as many as 450,000 people. You're going to be a, allergic to meat. You don't want to eat meat. I'm looking at this stuff. I'm going, who are they talking to? The children. Generation next. This yep. is the kind of crap they're being exposed to constantly. Who's out there? Help me out, man. Yeah, there's good news. My, uh, I'm printing money right now in my garden. That's very good there news. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you ain't gangsta unless you're growing money. You know. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Got to create your own money. You know, have a business or, uh, or you know, uh, print your own resources. You know, commodities. Well, tell me, that, like, you that's, know, before yeah. we get into a lot of the economics, I wanted you to explain to me. And because uh, I remember this is what triggered us going on the road with the love bus. And we knew that there was going to be stimulus. I didn't know they were going to do lockdowns, but I knew it was going to be a vaccine thing. We could see that. That's why we did vaccine education summit in 16 and in September of 19. I'm going, look, this is what's coming. They're going to mandate this. So we kind of saw it coming. But the lockdown and the pandemic, you know, pandemic thing, scamdemic, whatever you want to call it. You know, I didn't. I didn't see that one. I, that kind of surprised me. I mean, it, I mean, it didn't surprise me, but I, I wasn't, you know, <laughs> expecting that. But the um, during that time in September, mid September, October, I think, was when they did the the repo window thing that was going yeah. on. And I saw you were talking about that, and you had a graphic on that explaining that. So that's one thing I wanted to make sure that because when that happened, I remember it triggered in me. I'm going, they're going to do it. So here we go. Yeah. And I didn't delve into it. Explain it to me like I'm a fifth grader and for the audience of what we're talking about. Oh, what's going on? 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 Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. 
Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash Dash.org. This hour of Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Let's talk about your positive experiences using Dash. Dash has transaction fees that are less than one cent. Dash transactions are instant, irreversible, and are protected from 51% attacks by its chain locks technology. Dash is the world's first decentralized autonomous organization. BitRefill allows for discounted purchases at national retailers. We want to thank Dash Dow for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. There are those that just want to be left alone and those that just won't leave them alone. Which one are you? The Ernest Hancock Show. Now back to more of our discussion with John Snyzen, TheEconomicTruth.org. Well, so yeah, so what happened in 2019 on September 17th is that there was overnight distrust in the financial market and there was probably somebody that was insolvent, you know, a major bank, and uh, nobody wanted to lend. So what ended up happening, interest rates jumped from 1% up to 10% uh, in the overnight window. So they basically borrow their... Like they have regulations in the banking market that you have to have X amount of reserves or whatever in in assets. And so when you don't have that, you got to go on the repo market and borrow overnight for somebody that has. So you give them cash and then you get uh, collateral, which is treasures or whatever back in, uh, in uh, you know, for your uh, money. And then you swap it back the next day. Right. But so what ended up happening was that there was a, probably an insolvency institution. And we'll it was the trust. We'll yeah, nobody month. wanted. We'll yeah, nobody wanted to. Nobody wanted to lend because uh, everybody distrusted everybody. And so the Federal Reserve just came in and said, "Oh, we're just going to be the lender last resort again. We're going to restart our quantitative easing." Like they first, they started actually before this was even before uh, the repo market blow up. I was watching, you know, the uh, the purchases of uh, of things, and and so they're actually purchasing treasuries before the repo. Uh, market started, so they were doing that uh, before, and then suddenly it turned into a repo thing. And then uh, what ended up happening was that you know the repo turned into what was called term repo, which is basically they had to extend now for two weeks at a time these loans instead of overnight. And then those two weeks they turn into one month, and then the one month turned into three months, uh, you know, terms of lending, right? And then after that they just Outright bought it because they knew that they were screwed. There was no way they're going to deal with it with, you know, just keeping that, you know, terms flowing, flowing. So just outright just bought four, what was it, $4.5 trillion in assets in, in treasuries and mortgage backed security derivatives. Um, so they, they basically, and they bailed everybody out. Like, uh, we, I think there's an episode of us going through those numbers in great detail. You know, it was JP Moore, it was every bank. And and what's even more interesting is the banks that was bailed out, they were on a list, a specific list from an organization called the Financial Stability Board, which is a global organization that regulates anything to do with finance. And uh, they tell which bank uh, should be too big to fail, basically, and huh. who should be bailed out. And uh, so sure enough, 95%, I think, of those banks were on the 
uh, on that GCIP list, Global Systemically Important Bank list uh, of that year of 2020 or whatever, yeah, 2019 list, they got all bailed out. And and so it was all set by 20 central bankers. Who was the banks that was going to get bailed out? And that is the banks, you know, that will be last standing because now that you have all the collapses in all the commercial debt and and uh, all the other bad banks out there, they're just going to merge into mega banks like we have in Europe and in Asia. You know, there there's only four or five banks usually in most countries around the world, except for, you know, very few uh, places that are left, which have, you know, uh, uh, like in the United States, where it's like thousands of banks, right? So uh, they, I think they're just coming after. They want to, you know, mega merge. And, and then, of course... Um, Competition uh, is a sin, Oh, of course, yeah. So it's it's all about getting bigger, and of course the 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 primary dealers, you know, the guys that actually own shares in the Federal Reserve, they're the ones that want to control everything, right? So uh, you know, the J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and all these other big banks, like they are the ones that you know want to have control, and of course they put forward their representatives at the Federal Reserve and in other central banks, and which then chooses who's going to be the banks that will get bailed out. So they're basically just setting it up so they could, you know, put themselves as the banks that will be last standing on the earth. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they have full control over all the assets from every other bank. And there's just like mega banks now. Okay, now and, let, me, so, let me ask yeah. something. This overnight lending thing, when they yep. did that, that was part of the LIBOR interest rate setting thing that they did, right? And that's part of LIBOR? Well, yeah, it was back, like LIBOR was the rate, right, that you lent overnight. But now it's called uh, SOFR. Uh, they, they've swapped it over, but not all of them have swapped over from LIBOR to, you know, SOFR yet, uh, which is the benchmark interest rate for the, that's the base of the world, yeah, no, basically. No, see, this is my interest. point. Yeah. The actual, the interest rate by the overnight, because what they, this is how it goes. A bank has so much assets under management, blah, 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 and they got to keep a certain reserve. So if they are yeah. under, over, whatever it is, they got to have at least, I don't know, it used to be, you know, 5%, then 10 then 20 and then like, you know, in Canada, you don't even have one, yeah. you don't care, and I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah, and then not in the U.S. anymore either after May of 2020. Oh, my God. So what they did is when they, they were required to keep yeah. this percentage that keeps changing in reserve to make sure they had cash for, like, people needed cash. I mean, you know, you know yeah. run on the bank kind of thing. So that was the requirement. Well, if they didn't have it, well, they got to have it. So overnight, I mean, the next freaking day, they got to have it right there at the end of business. So they go into the market and they say, all right, well, we need it. Well, this is what happened with Lehman Brothers when the financial crash, you know, went, wasn't it? They they needed money and nobody wanted to lend it to them. So, you know, they defaulted and then and here we go, you know. well Yeah, it's the same with the banks out too. Yeah, sorry. So, so what the banks did is they go out and they want to get uh, the money and then the interest that they pay on it, there was some manipulation of that, which was the LIBOR. LIBOR stands for who cares. So they had a... Uh, big controversy. London in- interbank offered rate. Thank you. So they, yeah, London, whatever. So what happened was, is that there was some scandal that went on on them fixing the price and how and who was making the London Vale. So then, so then they, uh, that kind of blows over and eventually they do away with that and they go to something else. And then when they needed the money and they go, well, what are you going to put up for it? 
well, this is how the Federal Reserve gets all these toxic waste things back in, you know, 09 or something, is that they're given dollar for dollar on crap that they knew was going to go away. And I kept asking, I had all kinds of experts and everybody on going, what happens to those assets, those those deeds, those how those whatever that's on the Fed's balance sheet now? It just sits there until it expires. And they write it off yeah. 30 years yeah, later. That's it. Just, yeah. They're just not doing anything. And I'm going, who are these people? So now you're saying that there's no pay it back on the overnight lending anymore. Because I remember, I think we did a show back then. And it was, oh, well, you get three days. Oh, you get a week. Oh, you get a month. Oh, you get a never, you know? And, yeah. I, and I'm, it, who, who does this kind of stuff? Then the Federal Reserve just starts printing up a bunch of money, and they need to get it into the system. That's what we're living on now. That's what the stock market's going up now. That's what. So somehow they got it straight to Vanguard and BlackRock. Is, they're some kind of sponsored institution by they're going to – we'll give it to them first so they can buy everything. You'll own nothing – because they own it, okay? And that would bring prices up. It's so bad that now they're going, we're going to give you $10,000 a month in Monopoly money, you know? So I am, I, how far off am I? I mean, is this all part of the same continuation of kicking the can down the road? Is that what's going on? Well, of course it is. Like, it's the same thing. Like, they, they can't fix this. Like it has to be reset, and uh, but they're not willing, you know, to actually come out and and let that happen. They're they're definitely oh, afraid of, like, actually for the first time, like this is going on right now, where actually the the monetary system is contracting. Like M two money supply is negative uh, month over month, so it means that it's actually declining. The only time when monetary, uh, you know, the the size of the M two has ever declined, which is um, you know, one of the major, they used to have M3 and and even M4, but they got rid of that because it was too much currency in circulation. They didn't even tell everyone. But the M2 is actually shrinking, which means that people are defaulting on their loans. And uh, and uh, that's not very good for, you know, the central banker out there uh, because in a Ponzi scheme, you need constant more people coming in and, and borrowing uh, to then feed, you know, everybody on top. Uh, so the whole pyramid, you know, gets paid in the pyramid game uh, scheme, right? So um, what's end up happening is when there's people that can't pay because now it's, you know, the, the monetary system is shrinking. There's less, like, there's actually a huge demand to get dollars to pay off the debt uh, and the interest, but there's not enough. And and so what happens is usually you get the business cycle, you know, it's called, where, you know, it's the usual you know, bankruptcy in a sector because they overborrow, then they can't access or can't get a hold of enough dollars, right? So that's usually what happens because uh, there's always more interest in existence than all the debt. Uh, you know, if you paid off all the debt, we would still owe interest and that currency doesn't exist. So it would be like bankruptcy, right? But uh, what is happening is you had got all this, uh, when it deflates the system is, because it's a lot of delinquencies right now you know talk about 2008 was bad like and then 2020 was bad when they locked down the economy so okay so in, in 2020 they locked down the economy the u.s bankrupt so this is delinquency rates of other banks not this is not the uh, 100 largest banks but these are all the other banks when it comes to credit card delinquencies right now and and so the number in in two thousand and uh, you know five six and eight that you know no one sorry in two thousand eight that 
peaked at, you know, was 5.5%. You know, that's when, you know, everybody was losing their homes and, and people, you know, uh, lost a whole bunch. But then in, in 2020, of course, because they locked everybody down, you know, nobody could pay it. So, they, well, they gave you like a moratorium. You didn't have to pay it, right? But guess what? Like that was 17, uh, 7.25%. Well, guess where it's at right now? No it's idea. at 7.25%. It's mm. at the peak of the lockdown number. Like that's where we're at, Ernie, with uh, credit card delinquencies in the United States right now. Uh, and and so you're looking at the same amount of level of delinquent like bankruptcies that you had during the peak of a lockdown. You know when nobody uh, we were forced not to work. Now we're all back to work, and we're at the same level. Nah, we're gonna have a four-hour work week, <laughs> work day. It's all good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. You know, like having less uh, money. I guess you know coming in as a salary for people that like here in Canada. I think it's like 62% lives uh, paycheck to paycheck. And uh, I think it was the equal number that had less than $200, you know, for an emergency that would happen. And so all these people are living paycheck to paycheck and, and they barely have money. And, and then you take interest rates from, you know, uh, let's say, uh, so let's do thought experiment here. Let's make it very simple. Let's say you had a $100,000 or $200,000 mortgage. Um, you paid uh, $1,000 on that. Uh, and let's say that you renewed it during the bottom of the, uh, you know, when everybody said, oh, just borrow a whole bunch of money. It's fine. You know, here we had the central bank chief, Tiff McClam, he said, oh, don't worry. We're not going to raise interest rates until the end of 2023. Well, where are we now? <laughs> you know, he lied right to people's faces. But anyway, so people went and borrowed on a massive scale uh, because they thought it was fine. They went and bought a ton of houses that they couldn't couldn't really afford. Like they were just. You know, they, they could afford it, but it was like uh, barely, you know, could afford it. And then they you take interest a rates. monthly payment. They're not yeah, buying exactly. it. Just, whatever they can afford, they can get. <laughs> Depends on the interest rate. And yeah. then, like in Canada, don't you have to refinance your home every few years or something? Five years. Well, it depends. Like some people are variable, but you can have a, one, a six month, one month, two month, three month. And then five-year term. So I, I'm on a five-year term. I actually just renewed my mortgage. And my payment, which is hilarious, only went up uh, by, uh, you know, I think uh, 10% because I had a higher interest rate when I renewed the first time. Uh, so I didn't see anything. But the people that, you know, thought back to the thought experiment, you know, if you paid $1,000, let's say at 2%, well, now you you have to renew at 6%. Well, what is that? That's a threefold increase. So now you're going to have to pay $3,000 instead of $2,000. You know, if you live paycheck to paycheck, what's going to happen, Ernie? Right? Like, you so, want to see uh, how you'll own nothing? This is it. Yeah. There now, we go. Yeah. Now this exactly. Is, now, now, I, I want to I drill down on this a little bit because I yep. remember we had talked before about this. Um, in Canada, when you get a mortgage, you have to <coughs> re finance it, renegotiate, re-something, where in America we have, you know, um, and I don't know if it's mandate or whatever, but you got like 15-year loans, 30-year loans, hell, they'll get in, you know, generational loans they're doing in Japan and crap. Well, in Japan, they had 100 euro. Yeah, yeah you're, you're, you're bringing in your kid, you know, as collateral. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's going to be paying it, you know. So you have in yeah. Canada, it's five years later, and they go, you got to refinance. Are they mm -hmm. obligated to refinance you? 
you know, is it you know? So, uh, oh no, it, they could they could just call in the mortgage too. Like you got to remember, like any bank could do that at any time to our, our mortgages. They could be like, hey, I need I need my money right now, uh, and if you owe, you know, you're on the hook, and and so will I be, right? Like so if. If you are, uh, you know, have a mortgage, you think that oh, they're just gonna have to refinance me. Well, what if you can't pay it? Like, what if they actually look at your finances because they gotta get everything, you know, every single detail about your finance? And what if they just deem that well, you just can't afford, you know, uh, to have a mortgage anymore? Or you know what a lot of people here in in uh, in Canada has done now? Instead of you know, like let's say they had like ten, fifteen years left on their mortgage. Well, when they renew. They go to a 30-year mortgage. Like, I just keep on paying down until I'm go- uh, done. But people, like, I, I think I have, like, 12 years left now. But people would go from that mortgage and then extend it to 30-year mortgage again. So you can't because get a 30-year can't, yeah, can't like, mortgage. But not, like, uh, in, in the U.S., it's it's a, uh, like, you could basically uh, do a term of 30 years, right? Is that correct? Like, you could lock right. it in for 30 years? Yeah. yeah. But that, we, we don't have that. Like, but it's a thirty-year mortgage, but locked in for up to five years. So, but then you have to renew it. You know, after five years. So after, so it's like a variable rate. No, it's it's fixed. Like you set it for X amount. You could have yeah, a but variable. I mean, after but, five years, you have to requalify or something, or whatever, then it's not fixed. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got, and then you get whatever new rate is available, right? This so, is what and that's were- what's yeah. This yeah. is what they were doing. They do various different things. It used to be, they call it cash to mortgage. Here in America, there was a time during the 80s, it was a big deal when you know thing was getting inflated. And um, you could take over an FHA loan or a VA loan or something like that. If it was a government loan, you could yeah. go in and just take it over. Okay, I'm, I'm taking over your payments. And then if there was an appreciation or they wanted some money on their equity or something... Then you would have what a cash to mortgage, um, uh, second mortgage that you would have with the person that you bought it from. So you would have the title company, you'd pay the bank, you know, whatever the original deal was. And then you had a second one that was up and above that, another few hundred dollars or whatever, that went to the people that sold it to you. So that was how people were able to get in when the interest rates went stupid, you know, paying 14% or something. It was crazy. So then you go, okay, well, now then they came up with, you know, all these ninja loans, no, no, no income, no job, no, they didn't care. You fog this mirror, you get a loan kind of thing. But um, they were pumping the economy, just make it look good on paper or like me kind of crap. Well, then they have what they called a variable rate and it wasn't locked in. So you had a contract. And they get people they didn't know any better. Oh, yeah, that's my payment. Yeah, cool, whatever. Well, you have them read the fine print. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, I you know, I signed my I totally agree, you know, iTunes contract. And then you get a $500 bill for, you know, whatever. But what they did is the variable rate would be after so many years, it was renegotiated. Or if the, you know, some Fed rate or Treasury bill rate was some index that they had that it changed. And then all of a sudden, you could have a double your mortgage. And this mm-hmm. happened over and over and over. And I'm going, okay, well, you don't do that. You do a fixed, you know, uh, a rate. At least you, you know what your bill is going to be. Well, when I heard that in Canada, you had to redo the entire loan to qualify again for the home. It's not really yours. 
You know, I mean, it's always the banks anyway, so you want... Oh, yeah. Then Until I'm they like, pay that last penny. And then it's the government's <laughs> property tax. Right. You're renting it from the government, you know. Yeah, probably, yeah. So I am really... You know, I don't want to get off on OccupyTheLand.org, by the way. Occupy. Yeah, go to that. Go to OccupyTheLand.org. We're just starting to do the... Um, I like uh, it. The web page. You know, we're getting ready. Well, it's going to be, you know, uh, as a concept, get out of the cities. Oc- build your own property. But they don't want you to. Oh, check this out. Ooh, look at that. Yeah, no, that's our home. Now, this, yeah. is what, this is what they did. About a month ago, the governor in Arizona comes out and says, if your home is on well water, you are not getting in Maricopa County, there in the Phoenix area, you're not going to be able to get building permits. You must get your soma and your fluoride on the municipal uh, water really? treatment. And I go, Scumbags. oh, that's good. So that makes my job easier because we were going to do rainwater catching basin thing, whatever. Anyway, but you know, so you, so I get the build, and nah, you know, you got to be because yep. I'm going to make them say it. You know, make them make you, make them say it. And I know what the real thing is. Bob and I, we were, that's a long story, but what happened is we started to realize in talking to a lot of people, the ones that were more liberty-oriented, they grew up on well water. It was just like... I I got well water. You know, (laughs) it was like a well water thing. When you get into the cities and municipal uh, corporations that have, and they always are coming in, part of their League of Cities and Towns and their New World Order of whatever the county level it started in the mid-90s, they have to have everybody on the municipal water system. That's their big thing. Yeah, or or they tried here to get me on sewage just recently, but, like uh, just a couple of years ago. They and, tried to force me to a cup, but we didn't. Well, you know, what's in it? Well, sewage, there's that, you know. Yeah. But, you know, Not all the pharmaceuticals that come out of everybody and whatever the hell they add to it. But they didn't oh, yeah. want people on well water. And they'll give up whatever excuses they can to do it. You know, it's not healthy, it's poison, it's rare, it's whatever What about control? They, they want control. So this yep. is, I, I can see it's so obvious what's happening. Then I get this creative society crap, and I'm going, are you freaking kidding me? I am just so, this, I've... I I I didn't I didn't like that. I I saw that and that just that just you know scared me. I get that I'm going. Nope. This is you wanted to see the face of it. Here it is. You know, and there's a bunch of other stuff. Now, how supported is this? How pre- prevalent? Because they're talking 180 countries. You know, uh, with voluntary basis and the polling of the voting of the whatever. We 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 asked everybody and they said it. You, you're. you're you may not be in, but all your neighbors are, you know, kind of thing. So I just, I'm, where does this go? Well, it goes to us owning nothing and we'll be uh, pissed off. We're not going to be happy. <laughs> Here's your <laughs> happy off. shot. You'll be happy yeah. with your soma. Yeah, knows. seriously. Like, yeah, exactly. And also, I, yeah, I think that's been their goal ever since uh, Grohl and Brundtland from Norway created Agenda you know the no our common future was the book and and actually one of my friends as a uh, wealth manager he was a wealth manager at a major bank here and quit uh, but he told me at school at the university he had to read our common future uh, by Grohl and Brundtland and uh, one of the co-authors were was a guy called Marie Strong 
which is from Manitoba, but his last days, he actually lived in China, hiding from, you know, I think it was the OECD that he worked at, that he stole a whole bunch of money from, and so he's hiding in China, you know, to, to get away from it. And then he's one of the top guys that actually, in uh, James Corbett's uh, uh, video on the, um, it's on the um, uh, oil, you know, big oil, and how they control everything. Well, actually, he was hired. Maurice Strong was, you know, found in the oil fields of Alberta by Rockefeller and then groomed to, you know, become uh, actually pushed forward with, you know, the Rockefeller pushed the ESG movement uh, in its initial stages into the United Nations. And for the full interview with John Snyzen of economictruth.org, go to Declare Your Independence with ErnestHancock.com. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church.shiresociety.com. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember... I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not Now back to more of our discussion with John Snyzen, TheEconomicTruth.org. Where does this go? Well, it goes to us owning nothing and we'll be uh, pissed off. We're not going to be happy. <laughs> Here's your <laughs> happy off. shot. You'll be happy yeah. with your, your so much. Yeah, seriously. Like, yeah, exactly. And also, I, yeah, I think that's been their goal ever since uh, Grohl and Brundtland from Norway created Agenda you know the no our common future was the book and and actually one of my friends as a uh, wealth manager he was a wealth manager major banker and quit uh but he told me at school at the university he had to read our common future uh by Grohl and Brundtland and uh, one of the co-authors were was a guy called Maurice Strong which is from Manitoba but his last days he actually lived in China hiding from, you know, I think it was the OECD that he worked at, that he stole a whole bunch of money from, and so he's hiding in China, 
you know, to, to get away from it. And then he's one of the top guys that actually in uh, James Corbett's uh, uh, video on the, um, it's on the um, uh, oil, you know, big oil and how they control everything. Well, actually, he was hired. Maurice Strong was, you know, found in the oil fields of Alberta by Rockefeller and then groomed to, you know, become, uh, actually pushed forward with, you know, the Rockefeller pushed the ESG movement uh, in his initial stages into the United Nations. And so, but he had a uh, co-author, which is a uh, former prime minister of Norway, which is Labour Party, which, you know, when you hear the word Labour Party, it's basically communist party like right now the the labor party is running norway into the ground you know they're uh they indebted norway severely during like the covid and uh prices of like my mom told me prices are up 70 to 100 percent meanwhile the official norwegian inflation is three percent you know from the government the cpi or the cpi as you know a lot of us like to call it well so, i remember when they did this and i was doing radio in um I was at, I remember I was at Air America, you know, in 0405. And what happened, they were going to have the cost of living ad- adjustment done, COLA. And so anybody that's on an entitlement, your Social Security, oh, the cost of living goes up, so your, your um, Social Security payment went up kind of thing. Well, they took and they changed the consumer price index to not include energy, housing, and fuel. So if you didn't go anywhere or live anywhere... You didn't eat. Or do or eat, and you're you know fishing under the bridge, living in a van down by the river. You know yeah. you're okay, but if you freaking had a life, you're screwed. Ernie, the U.S. dollar is strong. What are you talking about? Oh, did I? Uh, all right, I want to show you this. This is good. This is good. Good. All right. Thirteen nations agreed to abolish farming in order to save the planet. Okay, there we go. Now this was. Uh, global, the global methane hub, whatever the hell that is, announced in a May 17 press release to agriculture environmental ministers and ambassadors from 13 countries, including the United States, have signed a commitment that pledges to reduce methane emissions in agriculture. U.S. was represented by the climate czar John Kerry. That I don't own a private jet; it's my wife's. You know, shut up. You know, whatever. So this is 13. Countries want to, you know, we're gonna we're gonna stop farmers. We're gonna we're gonna do away with cattle. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna. Now they're doing this in the Netherlands. The Dutch farmers. I did a show with a guy named James Patrick that did uh, what was it? it was Planet Lockdown. He did a a video, and then he had another one. Um, the Dutch farmer dilemma or the Dutch farmer struggle. And it was, you know, an interesting documentary of how they're shutting down over 50% of the farmers are losing their land. They're just because you're not allowed. Okay. Now, here we have this guy. He's Club of Rome, Dennis Meadows, author of Limits to Growth. And he says, Global Freedom Movement, we can have 1 billion people with freedom or 9 billion slaves. We're at over seven billion right now, so we need to bring that down to one billion. And I thought the Georgia Guidestones had half that, you know, five hundred million, but whatever. Yeah, it's equivalent. I hope that culling can be peaceful and slow and equal between rich and poor. But we're gonna have it. Okay? This is a Club of Rome guy. So I'm going these guys are serious. They're not right in the head. 
They're sociopath like crazy as hell. That's a cult. Yeah, it's a religious cult. It's a religious thing. It could it be Statanist? I mean, you know. So I'm. Oh yeah, I got Statanism.com. I think. Well, have you have you seen this? uh, Like, there's a video of the head of Club of Rome and Klaus Schwab going into it with each other, uh, saying that who was the first to you know talk about climate change or like global warming? Have you seen that? Yeah. yeah, that woman, she's Club of Rome. I was, I was, yeah, she's the head of Club of Rome. Oh, and uh, yeah, she goes, well, I've been doing it since. And class goes, no, I've been doing it since yeah. I was born. I mean, you know, whatever. God, these guys. Global's pissing contest, you know, like it's. No, uh, I'm, oh, I'm more communist than you are. So, yeah. yeah, so, all right, 13 countries. All right, let's see. Then this thing, this was a, a video I was sent. Klaus Schwab and the bloodlines of the Illuminati, okay? Now, this just goes on about how his, I don't know, his sister, his mom, his mother-in-law, everybody is, this is a family thing. We're going to rule the planet. And and I remember the World Economic Forum. I was looking at the structure of it. And Klaus Schwab has, like, hereditary title. You know, it's like oh yeah, he's a dictator. Yeah, it's a dictatorship. Yeah, you no, know, something happens to him, it goes to family. Kind of what? You know, these guys are messed up in the head. So, John, what is the solution? Do we just ignore them and have the look into the orb? They <laughs> <laughs> will get to that. You know, oh yeah, but I, I yeah yeah yeah. Uh, you know, ignoring them is probably our, the best antidote, to be honest with you. But you have to Cause... actively ignore yeah. them because they're going to oh, come and, and make an example out of people. And you go, I mm-hmm. don't care. They go, yeah, but you ha- yeah. I don't care. You go, yeah, well, this here yeah. gun says you better care. I don't care. Well, yeah. this here gravestone with your name on it says you better care. I mean, at some point, yeah. you know, you, you, I don't know, you, wind, you say no enough to these guys, you wind up dead. So oh, yeah. there's going to be some kind of a resistance and i don't know what parallel systems pay. you know like it no it's going to be parallel systems yeah. and uh, like if you look at the the era of the uh you know communists communism in soviet union even in in um, uh what do you call it in north korea you know during the current you know uh regime you know they have parallel systems you know they can get a hold of things that they want and do things but you gotta make sure you hide it you know under the regime's boot basically <laughs> So it could get very oppressive, but then, you know, if you have regions, you know, that are, you know, places like the U.S. and Canada are harder, you know, to govern because we're massive, vast landscapes. Yeah. Uh, and um, how are we going to, you know, how are we going to come up here and then try to govern me, you know, and uh, and who's going to do it? You know, who's going to be willing to, you know. Uh, they did it in the know, pandemic. Yeah. I mean, how are they going to do it? They showed you how they're going to do it, how they were practicing. Yeah. But yeah, but anyways, I didn't see any police out there at all. So I'm more on the countryside, right? Like they just can't handle like people on the countryside. That's why they want to, you know, have you put put you into a mega city and then, you know, rewild everything. Like I talked to people that want to rewild everything because, you know, we're terrible human beings. So they want everybody to live in the cities and they want, you know, everything else to be wild, wilderness. You know, and then uh, maybe if we are lucky one day out of the year, you might be able to go to a park, you know, where your old house was or something. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's it's all about control. But I, I think that, you know, if we study how societies got through things during oppressive regimes, 
I think like having those parallel societies, having parallel communications, you know, across uh, landscapes, like it, you know, having pirate communication as you like to call, it, you know, having your own uh, type of inter- ways of hooking up to the internet, you know, knowing uh, people that could actually like send you through internet tunnels, you know, like, and then you could talk to each other without. You yeah, know, it's them recognizing to be mesh all networks, LoRa, oh, you know, uh, satellites, whatever. I mean, it'll eventually happen because it has to. But you know, here here's another story. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here yeah. we go. You're talking about parallel societies, you know, and internet money, you know, crypto. That'd be cool. You know, there are various different ones. Except the SEC has told um, the Coinbase that they, the Securities and Exchange Commission, one of the exchanges to delist nearly 250 <laughs> tokens on its platform prior to it filing a lawsuit against the exchange. You either do it or here we come. They said that every asset other than Bitcoin is a security because they said, okay, you know, Bitcoin cash is, is Bitcoin better than what I, what? So what they do is this is what, what I've been saying. I go, Bitcoin is going to become Goldman coin. This is what's happening, what they got planned a decade ago. I go, I'm telling you, I can see what they're going to do. And here it is, okay? Neon, I I got, I I want everybody everybody to And at the same time. I'm sorry? Sorry. At the same time, you got Fink is launching the Bitcoin spot ETF. Oh, of course. (laughs) Of course, they're going to make some money. That's the price of Bitcoin presents. This is what you buy. You don't buy that, you know, like shiny token that you could pass peer to peer. You buy this fund. Which is exactly this is the how, price. This is how they <laughs> turn gold and silver into paper. Yep. Same thing. Yep. They're going to turn Bitcoin into paper. You know, and, yep. and this is just, I, wow. Well, if, if the track record of Larry Fink and other, like other of these elites, actually, you know, like what Larry Fink does, he just jumps from the next shiny thing to the next shiny thing to, you know, siphon out uh, money from, you know, everybody that invests with yeah, his funds, that's what right? that's ESG thing and, was. Oh, we've abandoned yeah, ESG Their ESG now. is collapsing right now, by the way. Like, it's actually yep. negative outflows, you know, uh, in the last, like... Uh, since quarter two to 2022, there's been negative outflows. Because you know, the ESG makes you broke, and they know What's, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, 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 and the funniest thing is, I remember me and Tim Pachot did this. Like we, we actually had a whole show on this where we, we went into the biggest ESG fund you know, in the United States, and it was just full of S&P 500. Right. Yeah, it's it's a like okay. it's it's a total fraud. But it, that's what they're per- perpetrating. They're using fair, you know, of you know the climate or or whatever they can try to find. You know, pandemic, and then they pass through like uh, you know these uh, totalitarian, you know, brave new world kind of measures because that's when they only they can do it because they scare people. People are dumb enough to j- jump on all the time. You know, like there's only a few of us that stands up with questions. Scared? They just do yeah. it. You know, yeah. they just do it. They just need some big legislation. They can throw it in to get you know Congress, and they pay them off to to do it. All right, here's another one. Here we go. This is your orb thing. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Worldcoin says it will allow companies and governments to use its ID system. Now, this is co-founded by OpenAI's CEO Sam Altman. Okay. Well, well the, this is the I, you know. Let me just say something first. You know, you got the guy. He creates AI with OpenAI, you know, it creates chat GPT. And it's like, well, now we got to verify you because we don't know who's human. Well, you got to join my project now. 
Oh, that's a good point. I yep. didn't think of that. They can't yeah, and of course, you know, after he joined, like after he went to Bilderberg, suddenly, well, it's been a three year project, but he did launch, you know, um, uh, WorldCoin, you know, right after he, uh, you know, were at Bilderberg just recently. Now, now, how much do you know about the orb and so on? You want to talk about that? Well, I saw the orb a little bit. Like, it's actually a former Apple designer that created it, and it's it's just biometrics. Like, I think it mostly is using the uh, the retina, but I, I would assume it takes facial facial rec- recognition as a part of it. I think it's yeah, an it's a iris. it's an iris iris scan, uh, and that exists. You know, like I I I've installed uh, security systems that have iris scans. You know, that you have to get access into secret vaults and so on, right? But uh, when it comes to those shiny bowling ball, it's cool, man. And put your yeah, and up to it. I'm gonna put my eyeball up to there. You can kiss my. Butt. And you get free. Hey, you get. Uh, you know, hold on there. Let's uh, let's go see. You know, you you now have they've given away seventeen point four hundred ninety one point hundred eighty two uh, world coins. You know, to the to the two point one hundred eighty five million people. How that many, have scanned how their many, eyeballs. You gave a number. How many? A couple hundred million. How many? How many? Well, they're saying two million, but that was in uh, on July, you know, twenty thirteen. So if we went from July twenty thirteen to uh, today, there's only been one hundred eighty five people signed up. Yeah, two hundred eighty. Sorry, yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, I, I don't know. Like, I I feel like this is another you know desperate attempt of these elites, you know, to try because. They would love to have a global ADAR system that they had in India where they have facial recognition and everything. Actually, talking about that, I recently took an Uber in Winnipeg and I talked to a former top executive at an Indian bank. <laughs> I bump into it just randomly. And he was telling me, you know, during during in India when, when uh, Narendra Modi actually banned, you know, the two highest denominated notes. Uh, people were desperate. You know, they they came in with their high denominated notes, and you know what the banks did? They ripped them off, and they gave them only sixty percent back of their hundred percent of coin uh, money that they put back. So they lost forty percent of their cash what? savings. Yeah, during that time, and and of course, you know, they've been talking. If uh, if you look at the book, The Curse of Cash by Ken Rogoff from twenty sixteen. You know, he says the same thing. You know, we need to ban the higher denominated notes to force people into, you know, getting into the CBDCs or like yeah, WorldCoin. But they gave you a media yeah. haircut for bringing in your bring in your cash, so we can give you back less. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They gave yeah, forty percent haircut, uh, Ernie. Like that's what happened with local banks. There was like massive lineups yeah, everywhere. They called. They came up with this haircut thing when they did Cyprus, and it was like ten percent. You go, oh, it's just a little haircut. It's like, this is like a decapitation. I mean, after you know, they kind of scalped you. You know, when they start taking forty percent, how's that a haircut? Yeah. yeah, and he was in the business district, so a lot of them had a lot of cash. You know, there was actually like a lot of business owners that had a lot of cash, and so yeah, that that's what they did. They ripped the basically ripped them off, and and it was by decree, it was by force, you know, from the government that you know we got to remove these. But then the banks took advantage and stole all their uh, half, almost half of their but, money. But how did they get away with it? That was allowed. It was just uh, you have to. Well, it was I, by I it was by decree. The government said that we're going to remove the two highest denominated notes. The people had to give them in to get anything back, and then the banks took advantage and just took a forty percent. You know, because everybody wanted it, so it was high demand. It was supply and demand, 
and then they took a 40% haircut off, like, so a fee so on top of... So it was going to be worthless, so they, all right, I'll get 60% of it. Yeah, yes, yeah, so it was kind of the valuation event, in my point of view, like, from that. But it was, was very interesting. Horrific. I never I never heard I never heard a personal experience from India. I, I read all about it, you know, and everything. But, yeah, this guy actually was a freaking branch manager at the uh, local bank in the, in the business district. Uh, in Aha, we really screwed the people? No, no. Like he, he, I, I asked him. So, like, what do you think about bags? Oh, they're corrupt. So he's like, he, he, he's now an Uber driver in in Winnipeg. Yeah, I was wondering, you guys shared an Uber, or he was the driver? I mean, what no, he was the driver. He was the driver. Yeah. Why? Did he just leave? He said, "Never mind, I'm out." Well, I guess it, it might have not have been very popular to be a bank manager anymore in uh, in India. Maybe you know, uh, yeah, or not, who knows what. But anyways, like it's just these corrupt things where they 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 have their they just want to get rid of like the only last thing that we have in the real like in the normal you know uh, world right now privacy is cash, you know other than our privacy coins and crypto and and our gold and silver of course but like for for the everyday person the only thing that they have that has any form or sense of privacy right now is their cash like that's the only thing they've left and they need to remove that. Because we all got to join Worldcoin, stare into his orb, you know, and uh, and join the uh, you know uh, the Illuminati slave grid, basically. You know, <laughs> it's uh, like and, and they don't even hide it anymore. You know, like I, I love the how they created an orb. You know, like uh, stare into his orb right, right, and join. Right. It's, yeah. it's weird. You know, it's weird. Yeah. Okay, I want I want to show people what it looks like. Okay, this is what it looks like. That's it. It's an orb. I mean, it's about the size of a bowling ball, and no. you stare into. I I don't. I, I hear about all these lines and people doing it and going up. I want I, my free orb. I don't know how they walk up to it. I don't care. I. It's just, how can I be a orb uh, branch manager? I get my own <laughs> orb and then I scan everyone. You gotta join. The, you know the the World Coin Society. You know, and the, I'm wondering yeah. how they're selling this to people that are do. I I don't know. Well, it's free coins, free coins. So? Like, you, you, I think they get like twenty five dollars worth of free coins, and of course they got to spend it with the their app and and so on. And it's all about you know creating a very easy and accessible app because he wants to create apps that are better than the Bitcoin apps because he said that you know we want to make it super accessible to people so that we use it. Right, that's what it's all about. It's creating that usability. For people, so then they finally, you know, uh, jump in, and then uh, everybody's just like, mm, "This is fantastic!" And maybe we get UBI at one point too, because he's promising that. You know, that's the same as we looked at the creative societies. You're gonna get that's your a social part of... credit score. Yeah. Of you're allowed and not allowed to kind of, and then the one thing that a lot of people don't understand, and I, and this is one of the insidious parts. I don't think people really comprehend. When they give you your universal basic, here's your free money, or you get paid, you know, or it's part of your salary, or you get orb money, or whatever, it has, it will be programmable, which means where you can and can't spend it, and it'll expire. You have to spend it by a certain time, or it's, that's where they get their velocity of money. And they want it, a velocity of money, they don't want people saving it, they want them Spend it, that guy spend it, 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 spend it. Because every transaction, the government gets a cut. 
So they want a bunch of spending be going on so that it, you spend it, this guy, they spend it, they spend it, they spend it, they spend it, because that dollar gets taxed. You know, 5 to 15, God knows, depends on where you're at. But it goes down less, 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 that's nothing, it's all theirs. So, I mean, it, that what is that? Is that a deflationary you know, impact on currency or money or something when that happens. I don't know what does that do because I, if they're taxing everything and it goes back to the government sooner or later, you don't have any money. I, I yeah. wonder, you know, what, what kind of economic mumbo jumbo is that? Eluthromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Freedom's the answer. What's the question? You're listening to Ernest Hancock. It ain't so groovy when you're screaming in the night. Let me out of this cheap B-movie. Headlong down the highway and you rushing headlong out of control. And you think you're so strong, but there ain't no stopping. And you can't stop rocking and there's nothing you can, nothing you can, nothing you can do about it. Now back to more of our discussion with John Snyzen, the economic truth.org. Who is that? Well, I think what the, like with velocity, right? Like we're talking about velocity, what they want to force you to spend it uh, because they want velocity to be up to have inflation. So you then can create more debt, right? And, and then the debt becomes less and less valuable. So you have this constant, you know, uh, you know, creation of new debt. Uh, and as you have velocity, you bring because what velocity does, it's basically people are forced to spend it. And so we get a supply of currency that has to be forced at all the time into the economy. Like you're not sitting and saving it, right? Like they hate savers because they don't want anybody to save it. They want everybody to spend it. So you create inflation. So you create like, and then that diminishes the value of the newly created debt and so on. And, and it's just like a cycle and cycle and cycle that goes on. Until, you know, the, the point where uh, people will be like, well, this currency isn't buying me anything anymore. I'm going to stop using it. And then you get the Venezuela moment where suddenly the government, you know, they're not getting any income. Uh, well, there it was oil, but, you know, they, they weren't getting any income. So they had to print, you know, the amount that they were going to spend. And that created a massive supply shock of currency in the system, created a huge inflationary shock, right? And then what that, what ended up happening is that people be like, well, shit. Like, I'm going to have to start spending my currency faster because it's not buying me anything. What about tomorrow? You know, so people start then spending a lot of their currency. And then let's say it was a massive state up amount. You could get an inflationary shock. Suddenly that could be three, four hundred percent, you know, because there's a massive supply of currency suddenly coming out of the savings accounts, trying to buy commodities and food and and shelter and gas and all this stuff. Right. And and so people are trying. The velocity is when how fast the uh, currency is moving into the economy. But when it all comes at once, like it did, it did this in the Weimar Republic, 
you know, in Germany, everybody had it saved up and they, you know, weren't trusting everything. And then they suddenly spent it into the economy when they thought everything was fine, you know, uh, I could just start spending. And then that created the massive inflationary shock. And what happened is that, well, now my currency is so much less worth, I better spend it faster. So when you spend it faster, there was just more and more inflation that was created because everything was chasing all the supply of currency chased you know the, the what was demand on the uh, you know commodities and so when you have high supply like high demand and and lots of supply you know prices come down or in the case of currency prices go severely uh, up because there's so much more currency trying to buy the same thing and so you get that shock, and then that's just a vicious cycle. And then at that point, when the trust is broken, it's about one month to six months that before the currency dies completely, and it's dead. Like there's no when trust disappears, there's no way to repair it. Well, you know, it this, never. Yeah, well, every competition currency. with the dollar is also going to bring a whole bunch of those dollars home, and then here we go. You know, here in America. And the BRICs threatening to back it with gold, threatening to back it with some digital currency, threatening to, you know, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to. They want their own SDR. <laughs> Special drawing you rights. Know, well, the, yeah, the, the people are not going to use the BRICs gold currency. It's only for the BRICs countries to use, like, the SDR. They just want to trade in between each other. The peasants are going to be stuck with their devalued currencies. Oh, the, the 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 BRICS gold currency is not going to be used by peasants. Don't uh, don't joke me on that. Oh, really? Okay, so <laughs> oh, this... yeah, yeah, to me, it's like looking so at it and country listening. To country, to... Yeah. this is just bank to bank to buy oil for what? I mean, who, well, it's probably not even bank what? to bank. It's probably not even bank to bank. What? Like the SDR just get traded between countries to settle whatever they have in between each other. Yeah, uh, what, of who, trade. what 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 bills get paid between countries? What what is that buying F sixteen? I mean, what 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 are they trading? Yeah, probably something like that. Like I, I don't see anything like when you have private corporations making trades. Like uh, the government isn't doing anything. But I guess on the grand scale, what they do is they you know do trade, and then uh, you got an oversupply. You still have banks involved in this, right? Because you know the supply and demand of different goods and services. But then I guess they like what they're doing is they just settle this currency in between the national treasury accounts. You know, like in in the United States, it's the exchange stabilization fund that holds the SDRs. In Norway, it's just the treasury that holds it. And it shows even up on the the central bank's balance sheet, the SDR. Okay. And that's how, yeah. You know, I know SDR stands for um, special drawing rights, but what does that mean? You know, what are they talking about? Because I knew they were going to do like a yeah. basket of currencies to create one SDR that everybody traded in. But you're not saying that's what it is. An SDR is what? They set a, a, a an amount for their local currency or something? What are you talking about? Well, so they, they can create SDRs out of thin air. They just like have a basket of currencies that's supposed to determine the value. It's like the yuan, the, the yen, uh, the euro, and the dollar. I think the British pounds might be in there too, uh, and maybe Swiss franc. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know, but that's supposed to be the unit. But they could create that out of thin air. They just created like what was it, six hundred eighty billion of it that you just trade, and then amount of percentage that you hold in voting power at the IMF. Then oh you get this first that percentage God. rise. You know, like uh, Ernie, we need to start a nation state, and and you'll get one of these. 
It's the SD, it's the user's guide to the SDR, a manual of transactions and operations. And this is for the Treasury Department, uh, from the Treasury Department at the International Monitor. This is the if, if you start your own nation and you want to be a part of the gang, this is what you get, and you, you can read through how the SDR works. I know what works, the best basically. SDR is. It's called gold. <laughs> yeah. You know, you want a special drawing, right? You want to exchange, it's called gold. And that's what it's going to come down to. All this, every time I talk to you and I learn this kind of stuff, it's just what a crock of crap. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. It's just a scam. Yeah. And and, and the thing is, like, every time in history somebody backs their currency by gold, well, they have the possibility to create more units out of that currency. And so it's just a scam, you know, like when any government, you know, touches anything that has to do with anything or, or banks, you know, or any private entity that can issue, you know, ha- let's say have 100 units of gold and they want to just issue paper notes. That's all the scam in the world, you know, the, the goldsmiths, right? Like that's what it comes from. And every single freaking time they misuse that power and creates too much units and then the currency becomes worthless and people find that out when it's not purchasing them as much anymore and then they'd be like hey this is a scam and uh, just cycle repeat rinse over and over again doesn't happen when it's gold give me a gold bar then your your debt is paid peace out you know we're done yeah you know when they start doing this yeah no counterparty (laughs) no what there's no counterparty to gold so and that was kind of the promise with crypto too but they're trying to turn that into paper now I'm looking at gold being um, traded in some way with the peasants. You know, one thing I really like, I I see it every year when I go. Well, I first saw him in Las Vegas at the Freedom Fest. But um, uh, Ian Freeman, you know, Free Talk Live guy uh, in New Hampshire is a radio program. He bought a bunch of them and he took them to New Hampshire. Then they made a New Hampshire gold back currency they're very pretty have you ever seen gold backs you know what i'm talking about no i haven't seen that but i i think i know what you're talking about though it's gold that's laminated it's a a vapor deposited onto a polymer it looks like a gold bill and the the technology was invented by some professor seattle university or something but what they did is they would make gold it's like gold leaf with plastic on it yeah, there you go. Same kind of thing. That's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. they 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 would make uh, wedding invitations or the Declaration of Independence in color. And, it, you know, it, and they're beautiful. And I, you know, I'm going to pull them up so people can see them. They're yeah. gold backs. And it's um, different denominations. And the thing is, is that you take it, you put it in a crucible, put a torch to it and melt it, and the gold's there. Now they got like yeah. a fifty percent premium on it because you got to make it, you know. It's a pain in the butt, but the um, but it's gold, you know. This is they're pretty, and they're oh yeah yeah. You know, Utah's got them. I think they're doing Texas. They got New Hampshire, Washington State. They you know, and then you get these different denominations. They go up to fifty, and the fifty <laughs> is like fifty times heavier than the one. I mean, it's you know, you you can feel it. But you can yeah, it's, to... it's not like the U.S. dollar, where the hundred dollar note cost only one hundred eighty four, uh, no one dollar and eighty four to make. You know, it's really? actually, God. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I and uh, it's so the two dollar in Canada cost fifteen cents to make. I'm seeing this. 
this is what's going to happen. People Now, what we did, when you go to Pork Fest, you would go in, and they'd have them there. And if you bought them in bulk, you get, I don't know, 50 or $100, whatever it was. Um, I got some last year. I bought a bunch in a wallet and everything for a friend of mine that has an interest in the company that makes these, not Goldbacks. That's a client. It's called... Um, Valerium or something like that, that they have this technology. And um, I'm going, yeah, that's being used, man. You know, here, you know, I got your wallet full of a bunch of them. Well, what happened was um, you go to Pork Fest and you paid $3.69 or something for a one. It's not a $1, it's just a one. One what? Well, I don't yeah. know, it's one, okay? So you get, I don't know, it's so much in weight it has in it or something. So you paid, is like, if you bought them in bulk, you get like $3.69, I think it was. But they were being accepted at all the vendors at $4. So you immediately got a discount right off the bat. So people go and they buy a bunch of them. They start spending them into the community. And they, they trade as money. For years this has been going on in New Hampshire. So And you have actual gold. So I'm, don't tell me it can't be done. They're doing it. Okay, so this is what I see coming. It's going to be no third-party risk to where somebody else says you can or can't or they'll pay it or don't or they block the transaction or your PayPal didn't go through or charge back on your credit card or whatever. You give them that cash in the form of actual gold, eh, 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 and you're done. Okay, it's done. Now, that was the promise of crypto, but now they're coming in. The SEC comes in. They're like, nope, they're all security. You can't. Except that Bitcoin thing, because we're, you know, Larry Fink's got a good plan for that, you know. I just, it's so corrupt, and I want to know how this ends, because that which cannot continue doesn't. And we are going to see it ain't. So then what? It's going to be this? There are alternatives. There are. It's going to be parallel, whatever the hell, but it's going to be... It has to be accompanied with an abandonment of it because it's not working. And when it's not working is when in hyperinflation hits. How are yeah. we going to get away from it, John? What, 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 what's, what's the rabbit they're going to yank out of their butt? CBDCs, that's the only way. Well, that too, yeah. And, and actually that comes from... I remember I was listening to a, a PhD economist from Manitoba, Aaron, and he basically, in a presentation, he was talking about, you know, the issues with the uh, dangers of deflation and so on and the monetary system. And then he said, like, remember what the, happened in, you know, the, the Weimar Republic? You know, they had the hyperinflation and all that stuff. And then they had massive deflation after. And then, you know, everybody was in so much trouble and uh, everybody lost everything. And then it's like, you know what cures deflation, which currently we're in? But I, you know, the Federal Reserve's on numbers. They M2, like the monetary supply is contracting, the digital monetary supply. He said that we need a war. You know, like yeah. what better way of creating, you know, uh, getting people back to work by murdering each other around the world and uh, blowing each other up. Uh, it's it's a great, uh, great way of doing, you know, economic stimulus, Ernie. So I, I, I think... Like they're gonna try to do their central bank cur- digital currency, of course, uh, but that's gonna fail in my point of view. Like, I like look at what's happening in Nigeria. People are rejecting it. You know, in in Ecuador from 2014 to 2018, people rejected it, so they just abandoned it. It's like the ESG stuff that they're doing. You know, all the scams. I think people eventually are actually looking through it and be like, no, like I'm getting poorer, uh, and and I'm not getting richer here, or like 
I'm losing all my wealth. Why would I follow the same morons, you know, that did this to me? And there's a there's a general consensus of more people that we think I uh, that we think that doesn't want to speak out like us, you know, that are sitting there and actually have a brain, you know, and are thinking for themselves. And they'd be like, "Yeah, I'm not going to join in on this. This is utter insanity. You know, why would I trust these morons that did this to me and that to me? And why would I trust them over and over again? You know, it's like uh, the definition of insanity. You're trying to do the same thing over and over again." You know, with the with the same result, but you just continue doing it, and and that's what they're doing with history. You know, you have all these currencies that have failed, and we're doing the same exact thing, just in a digital form. And they think that now they're smarter. Oh, we got computer on the side. No, like no, we don't. Like you're total. Uh, like you're doing the, the same exact is thing. Yeah. Now, it's all yeah, credibility. Yeah. You know, now this I wanted to show trust. people. That way, you know, they, I trust them because they're credible or they're not. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, um, uh, you can see it's one twentieth of a troy ounce in 24 karat gold. You put that in a crucible, you torch it, boom, a twentieth of an ounce. Yeah. So, so this is, that's a 50. So this is, how is it auditable? Well, you know, you know math, you know, they promise on cryptos and then they you know there's all kinds of problems with a lot of different things there is nothing that's going to replace having physical value of gold silver whatever in your hand that oh, it's somebody money. will accept now yeah. the other thing is is that um what do they call them they call them um uh precious metal verifiers have you ever seen those like you're talking about the scanners, the uh, that they use. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, they're... yeah. Actually, so I talked to a friend of mine that uh, he was talking about how you know people are trying to hide gold and silver at their house, and somebody had those things and they fucking scanned their walls and everything in their house and they found their gold and silver in the walls and then they stole it using that thing, like a thing like that, like actual detector. Now, see, these things, you know, I I didn't see these until it was like 2013 or something when I uh, gave up some silver for, you know, some Bitcoin when it was like 270 Bitcoin was $270, and it was like, I remember it was 16 ounces of silver per Bitcoin. And I used to track, I didn't track dollars, I don't give a crap about dollars, I want to know how much silver I got. And then all of a sudden, boom, it shot up, and I got a bunch more silver. I, I go, woo, I can trade it back in, get more silver. I got my silver back, you know. <laughs> so the um, so I made out all right as, as far as silver. Now this, what I did is I came in with a bunch of silver and every itty bitty bit of silver, every you know ninety percent, you know pre sixty four dime, every quarter, every round, every bar, everything. The guy put it on this device and it has like a little bracket and you program in what kind of. You got in, you know, your... your. Um, I think it's called a spectrometer or something. It's a verifier, precious metal yeah. verifier. But yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I don't know if it's a spectrometer or how it works. But anyway, it, the, see, this is my concern. When you go and you get Fred's Casino Silver at the Pawn Shop or something, or, you know, you have somebody like um, uh, Sun Mint, you know, uh, Sons of Liberty Mint that was doing it in New Hampshire, Silver Dave, they were making them at Pork Fast. So how do you know? You know, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, these, um, you know, these, um, uh, what do they call the Austrian um, 
Philharmonic? Harmonics, yeah. I got a bunch of yeah, silver harmonics. harmonics and I got some nice Mexican ones, and I got some, you know, this and that, maple leaves and so on. They're very the pretty. Krugerrands you know, from uh... No, I don't have any Krugerrands. But, you know, I got, you know, some of these, you know, really nice coins, but how do I know? You know, and especially yeah. if it's Fred's Casino silver thing that they got from whatever, you have a scale for weight and a verifier that it's actual metal. And you put that yeah. on there, and he scanned every single piece of silver I had before he gave me the Bitcoin. And we were there a while, you know. So yeah. I'm going, okay, the fact that they even had these machines makes me feel better. So I'm going, okay, gold backs, silver coins, medallion. And you got to be careful because I, I um, this happened. A friend of mine was in a uh, one of the exchanges, you know, the silver bullion buy coin place in Phoenix. And he goes in, and a guy goes, here, I want to cash these in. And he dropped these Morgans, silver Morgans, uh, Morgan dollars, on the counter, and they could tell by the sound of them they weren't real. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. China yeah, you was making it. a bunch of these, and a guy bought an ATV from him with these coins, and he got ripped off. You need to know that it's silver. So I'm oh, yeah. just saying that, you know, if you're a merchant and you're at, you know, maybe a little festival selling a $10 shirt, you might not care. But if you're selling a motorcycle, you probably care. But, you yeah. know, this is a lot better to me than, I don't know, fiat. I mean, you know, just some crap that's, especially when hyperinflation is going. You know, a guy comes up with a wheelbarrow full of money and you go, you know, I'll trade for the wheelbarrow. You know, I, I oh, yeah. what I want the paper for. I already papered my bathroom. No, that's what happened. And like, uh, look at all the fails. You know, I, I did post a, a thing just recently. And this is pretty scary stuff, Ernie. Actually talking about that. We're talking about fail nations, you know, what happens. And and, and uh, listen to this. This is actually like a list of, you know, countries, government debt to GDP. You know, this is just government debt. This is not private debt. Uh, but listen to the, the, you know, the top countries on here. This should uh, wake people up wherever heading here. And of course, Japan is actually first. Uh, but guess who's right after Japan? It's Venezuela. Huh. Sudan has a hyperinflation. Venezuela's had a hyperinflation. Greece is a collapsed nation. Singapore is up there. Yeah, it's not good for them. Eritrea, Libya is a collapsed nation. Lebanon is a collapsed nation. Then comes Italy, United States. And then you got Cap Verde. Bhutan, Suriname is a collapsed nation. Zambia is a collapsed nation. Bahrain, Cuba is a communist uh, place. They actually, holy shit, they're, uh, they've gone up in uh, government debt to GDP. Then Portugal, Sri Lanka, and then Canada. So every good company, the United States and Canada, you know, uh, up there with uh, Singapore, which, you know, it's funny, both Japan and Singapore, and of course, Canada is big, uh, you know, World Economic Forum, young global leader contingents you know that are controlling those countries as well right so uh, you know you own nothing and be happy there you go you know it's um the, the only way to protect ourselves ernie and and this is not by just you know i i talk to a lot of different people you know when i try to you know find these stories from around the world if i can you know and uh, and i luck out sometimes yeah i feel it's a law of attraction maybe too that you track the people that you you know you're interested in hearing from anyways uh, but talking to people, you know, one of my good buddies here, uh, he uh, he's from Croatia. You know, he lived through the hyperinflation that created a 500 billion dinar in Yugoslavia. And he, and he was lucky, he said. He lived on a farm. But if it wasn't for living on that farm, a lot of people starved to death. Were they targeted? What? 
I talk, I interviewed a guy in Yugoslavia, and he said, yeah, you think you're going to go out in the hinterland? That's where the bad guys go. They just take, take your They weren't targeted. Your... Yeah, they weren't targeted, but they were actually where they were hit is that they almost blew up a dam that would have flooded their land. Milosevic at the time, he almost blew up a dam uh, just north of them, uh, of course. And and this is like right, we're talking about the area that they have Liber land at right now, right? Mm-hmm. At that, you know, between Serbia and Croatia. And and so like at that time, but what he said is, you know, it wasn't for that they had their own food supply. You know, they, uh, they would have struggled tremendously. And then he said the people, you know, that, were kind of richer after, you know, like when it was all over, suddenly they become very rich. They had gold and silver that they had through that whole crisis. And so you have your, you know, your physical supply of food and, and water and everything that you need, then you got to protect it. You know, you got to have some stuff to protect it. But then on the other side of things, because we as humans, we never stay in a state of total despair. You know, we want to get out of it. We naturally want to survive and thrive. And so we we get through a reset like that. And on the other side, there could be some good things. Look at what's happening to Argentina right now. Have you have you paid attention to like the anarcho capitalists that are running for president? You know, down in uh, in Argentina, that might even win potentially. Uh, that'd be interesting. You know, having an anarcho capitalist <laughs> coming in and uh, but that happens. You know, when when nations are desperate. You know, look at Venezuela. You know. Be, Greatest nation, you know, in the 60s. And it turned into socialist hell, you know, became dependent on government spending and blah, 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 and so on. And then they, uh, I think now they're at a point where they probably in the next decade or so, they'll turn around again, right? And then you have countries like Norway, and look at what Nigeria is. Nigeria is an oil, rich oil country as well, but they're turning into oil. Canada and Norway will follow that same path. And, and so will probably the United States as well. But at least the United States has, you know, people that believe in individual freedom on a way greater scale than anybody else. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not fear here and declare your independence of me Ernest Hancock but it's not for lack of them trying oh my god I'm just so damn you know it it's on it's all man you know you, know, you gotta go check out uh, freedoms phoenix <clears throat> you know I need to sing more I, I can't do it anymore anyway what I need to know 
is from Dr. Frank. There is so much that's just happened in the last week. Um, I, I got the vent last night. Um, James Corbett and I did a show, and I'm just like, you know, it's it's bad. And he added on a bunch more bad, and it's bad, and I'm not feeling very good. But, you know, it's just more signs that we need to get a busy. It's like the bear be a coming, and if you turn and run, and everybody else is standing there, they'll they'll eat them. <laughs> you know, but you know, you run till you get out your thirty out six. Do you? I mean, what do you do? And I am just damn. And you know, Trump stuff is just a side effect. That's just that's just you know the noise of the the train be a coming. And um, there's so much stuff going on. But I know, Doctor Frank is going to talk about how Disney arrested Trump or something, okay? So, go, man. Tell me everything. <laughs> what? That, yeah, that, 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 that would be the ultimate episode. <laughs> we got Disney and Trump in the same thing. Uh, man, well, I, you know, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question. What, what did you and James chat about then? I mean, there's so many things going on. I, 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 I've never opened the show this way, but... What, what was the main takeaway or area that he's focused on? Right well, there's a bunch of stuff in the news, but all right, for this show, I'll tell you what the deal is and just give you a real quick and... Um, uh, because, yeah, no, we have a loaded topic. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, God. Map, but you go. All right, this yeah. is what happened. A few days ago, I got a an email, I mean, a telegram from a reader listener, and we have Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock Telegram, and that's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of whatever. And then you have, they just want to yak it. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not for yakking. You want to set up, you know, send stories or st- issues that we talk about or you need to get this guest or, you know, uh, links to, you know, just news kind of thing is really what it is. But I leave it open. I let people yak, you know, and kind of communicate. And it's kind of an open thing. Don't care. But. They, when they get chatty, oh, 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 laughing out loud, oh, that's what you I go, no, 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 no. That's not what this place is for. <laughs> now, if you want to go, because it's just high noise ratio, I go, no, 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 no. You guys need to have, like, a chat thing. Well, they set up, I don't know who did it. Somebody did, maybe an admin, whatever. Declare your independence, Ernest Hancock, chat. Now, that is just, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, a lot of good stuff is on there also. It's kind of a different flavor, but a lot of times I'll take that stuff and we'll do something with well one thing one of the guys sent was it was that you'll like this it was a headline that said uh captain james tiberius kirk you know says something on bit shoot and i'm going well i'm a good trekkie guy you know i mean you know if uh frank would have saw that he would have went you know you know so i'm so i'm, I'm going to pull it up here and um so i go to this let me pull this up uh, for the streaming guys. All right. There it is. Okay. James Tiberius Kirk says this about that something. And it, you go to the site, and this is what they sent to me. And it the title is Process and Publish. Well, you go to this BitChute channel, and he has dozens of these posts. They're exactly the same. James Tiberius Kirk. Process and publish, just a different date. That's the only thing that's different. So good, you know, Captain Kirk guy. I go and I click on the. All right, it's on bit shoots. Probably not going to load virus or whatever. I'll see what's up. It this particular one was a 1998 version of a brave Brave New World. Okay, and Leonard Nimoy was 
the controller in the book, you know, there's a guy, the worldwide I, I rule you kind of guy. Leonard Nimoy was the guy. And I'm going, wow, how did I not hear of this? This was, uh, I think it was on NBC or something. It was a made-for-TV movie or movie. Played one time, and then it got archived. So then I go, all right, this is cool. So I watch it like the next day and so on. I go and look it up on um, Internet Movie Database, uh, INDB or whatever it is. And um, INDB has been around for, God, a couple decades, a long time. It was the Internet version of uh, an index for all movies. So you go in there and you see the directors, writers, that kind of stuff. I go in there. Yep, sure as crap, man. There it is. You know, it's got, uh, you know, but they gave it only a 5.2 a 10 rating. I'm like, God, is it that bad? No, it's not. That's the point, okay? So I go in, I look at this, and then I go, all right, where can I get this? I want to go watch it, you know, on my TV in there. Maybe it's streaming on Netflix or, you know, Paramount or Prime or something like that. So I go in there. The only reference to it, you can't find anything in search engines. It was amazing to me. Leonard Nimoy in a movie, Brave New World, and there's almost no information on it. There's something going on. So I go on wow. to Amazon, and yeah, if you want to watch it, it's fifty four ninety three. I don't know what the significance of that number is, but fifty four ninety three to buy the DVD. And if you want the multi format, whatever the hell that means, it's ninety dollars. If you want to get, you know, uh, a new that's I guess that's used or something. A n- new copy of the DVD is up to one hundred and twenty four ninety nine. Whoa! And I go, what the crap is going on? Then I started watching it. The lead character in it is a guy named Peter Gallagher. Now, the reason I know Peter Gallagher is an actor is every Christmas, Donna and the girls have to watch um, While You Were Sleeping with uh, Sandra Bullock and, I don't know, Lone Star, the guy that played Lone Star in Spaceballs. What's his name? Uh, it doesn't matter. So yeah. uh, this guy was, you know, the supposed boyfriend in a coma, whatever, you know. So Peter Gallagher, I recognize the actor. I go, okay, well, it's, you know, it's like a main actor. I see him every year. The girls watch that movie. And I watch, you know, A Long Kiss Goodnight with Gina Davis and Samuel Jackson. That's my Christmas movie. <laughs> but anyway, so I uh, watched this movie, and it was a good depiction of Brave New World. Now, I've seen Brave New World before, but it was a, like a 60s version. It was kind of, you know, campy. It was. It wishes it was Logan's Run, you know, kind of not even as good as that and cinema quality and everything. It was almost like a Lost in Space episode, you know, with the pastel colors and all that kind of crap. But the um, this Brave New World was, I'm like, whoa, this is good. One of the actor-director was Leonard Nimoy. So this was the middle finger, you know, to the man by Leonard Nimoy. So, of course, it gets, oh, it's a 5 out of 10. No, you don't want to watch this. No, the reason they don't want you to watch it is because it was makes you think. This is, this was a, it was worth watching. So as I go through this guy's channel, you know, I can see what he did. So I put up this graphic that has, um, you know, this uh, Venn diagram you know, the Venn diagram God, was like turn of the 20th century, uh, V-I-N-N diagram. It's when you have sets that overlap, the circles that overlap, and where the overlap is, whatever. And one of them is 1984, 
Brave New World, and Fahrenheit 451. So my point was, in 1984, it was a totalitarian, V is for vendetta, we rule you kind of thing. In fact, the actor that played the lead character in 1984, Winston, uh, 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 Jim Hurt, I think, was the guy that played the chancellor in V for Vendetta. So it's the same guy. One, he was the you know the protagonist, and the other one, he was big brotherish kind of guy. So 1984 was about totalitarian. We rule you. We're changing the definition of meaning. You know, a lot of stuff that's going on now. And a real heavy hand. Fahrenheit 451 was they've already gotten their kind of 1984 censorship world. You can't even have the vocabulary to express your dissatisfaction with whatever the hell. And they just burn books. And the reason it's called Fahrenheit 451 is because paper burns at 451 degrees Fahrenheit. You know, so that's what the point is there. So it's a big censorship thing. And then people memorize books and they live, you know, out in the woods and, you know, teach little kids, you know, uh, Anne Frank or something, you know, and they the people become the book. So they have to you know, kill them, I guess, to kill the book. Well, Brave New World was something Huxley did in the early 30s, and it was it was very, uh, during this technocracy craze kind of stuff, dystopian future, you know, metropolis kind of, I mean, you know, what's the future going to be like? As they could see after industrialization, there was the assembly line, there's going to be, you know, prosperity, everybody just sit on their butt kind of thing. Well, what they did is they had social and economic engineering with pharma. They had a drug called Soma. Soma was a, um, uh, you know, make you feel good, you don't care, fentanyl, you know, whatever thing. And it was, uh, uh, oh, I, you know, well, I'm kind of concerned about it. I just uh, pop a Soma. So this was very interesting in how Brave New World is kind of where we're going now, but there's 1984 and Fahrenheit 451. It goes through phases. So it kind of starts off 1984. Then it gets to, you know, they just kind of force. Then a brave new world that they kind of con you and let you have more prosperity and freedoms and everybody gets a robot kind of thing. And uh, in amongst there, to make sure they can keep that and you can't express yourself, they burn all the books, which is happening now. So the fact that they had a Leonard Nimoy movie, Brave New World, downplayed it, you know, it's crap, crap, don't watch it. You can't get it. It's up to $125 to get the DVD, and this guy created a bit shoot with no search engine information on it. How this guy, I asked him, and he goes, why do you want to know? Never mind, he's going to be a butthead, I don't, I don't care. But the, um, you know, how did you even know this was there? So a BitChute channel, and you go on, just, you know, search on Freedoms Phoenix for Captain, period, C-A-P-T, period, James Tiberius Kirk, T-I-B-E-R-I-U-S, and you'll find it on Freedoms Phoenix. It's at the bottom of the page in the articles as it scrolls off. You know, I'm going to put this back to the top. Now, the point that I was making with this article and what I wanted to talk with James about was when I looked at this guy's channel, I saw what he was doing. What he was doing is he was putting up all the movies and all the information because there used to be books. And the point about Brave New World, they didn't ban books. Yeah, you could read Shakespeare, you could read all these books all you want. They didn't care because nobody read them. Nobody cared. You know, I, you know, I could, yeah, let's just go, you know, to the orgy. 
You know, they had, you know, Matrix pod babies. You know, you didn't have, love was like uh, forbidden. You don't want to have all that jealousy and envy and all that kind of stuff. Promiscuity was a big thing. Orgies all the time. And you pop some Soma and go to the club. Now, they did have savages that lived outside of the cities, out in the hinterland or whatever, and they they were made fun of, and they'd take, like, tours and helicopters and go see the squalor kind of thing and come back. Then they had alphas, betas, gammas, deltas, you know, all different classes, like the deltas were the servants and, and uh, manual workers and assembly line. The betas were the bureaucrats. They were kind of... Then the alphas were the ones that made all the decisions. So this whole society, you can see it coming, and... The awareness of this kind of dystopian future was required reading for our generation. I remember in junior high, 7th, 8th grade, so would that be like um, mid-70s, you know, by that time, by the time you even started high school, you have read as required reading, 1984, Brave New World, Fahrenheit 451, Lord of the Flies, um, Animal Farm. All this stuff was warning of what was going to happen as we get into a socialist kind of mentality. These are stuff back in, God, the 30s. The reason it's called 1984 is because he wrote it in 48. He just transposed the two last numbers. So it's 1984, and then I remember when Macintosh came out and Apple commercials of the, the woman throwing the hammer into Big Brother's you know face on the screen while everybody's being droned sitting in gray... That was 1984 commercial for Apple. And Steve Jobs came up with this commercial, and it was the whole point was 1984 won't be like 1984. And it was the freedom of individuals with computers. When I first started doing radio in 03, there was a survey that said that teenagers, for the first time, were spending more time on their computers than television. And I'm going, cool. You know, good thing, or learn something, kind of whatever. So, of course, they had to go after it, big tech, and yeah, and this is what you're going to learn. Then James Corbett made the point about, you know, Plato's um, talking about the, the shadows on the cave wall. And the point was, is that, you know, people sitting in a cave, and they do this shadow puppet thing behind them, and all they see is the shadows on the wall, and they interpret it, or whatever they think is going on. Then one guy escapes his chains, he goes outside, and then he sees the real world. And then, you know, they make all kinds of uh, analysis of that. But the point is, is that the cave wall is now your big screen TV, and people are carrying around the cave wall, the, the, the shadows of reality, on their screen. They go to the bathroom with it. They go to bed with it. They're at the dining table with it. They're, going, they're constantly being... So all of this information, this dystopian understanding of what's coming and what's here and how all this, you know, put your eye scan in the iris of the world coin that they're going to, you know, all data and everything shared with governments and companies and you get your universal basic... What I mean, this stuff is happening now. And I'm going, they don't know that this has been predicted for a couple of generations and warning us what's happening. When you had um, uh, um, the author of uh, 1984, Jim, I can't, Orwell. So when Orwell's on his deathbed, he goes, the only way, you know, you're not going to be able to fix this once it happens. The only thing you got is to not let it happen. I'm warning you. The future of humanity is a jackboot on the face of humanity forever. And I'm going, and, and Bob would always say, he goes, you know, it's um, a thousand years of darkness, man. It'd be a coming. 
So this scared the crap out of me because I could see what my grandchildren don't even know these books exist. When for our generation, it was required reading to understand and be warned about this kind of stuff. So Hollywood, Frank's favorite company, Disney, you know, they go in and they make sure it's obliterated and replaced and redone with all this woke crap so that when they put in Snow White, they get not, you know, snow dirty. I, I, I don't know what the hell, you know. This is what we started talking, and then it went from there, and then a bunch of the news of the day, and, you know, 13 countries agree to stop farming. Uh, you know, James's uh, contribution, he gets right off. I go, what do you got to, you know, you want to talk about? He goes, well, they got, you know, a new disease called whatever the hell it is that is like Lyme disease from ticks. They got ticks that cause an allergy to meat. And I'm going, of course they do. If they can. So that's what started our conversation there and why I thought this was so important. is Because I can see if you do not have the language, the understanding to even express your dissatisfaction, all you know is that you're not happy, you don't like it, but here's a Soma pill brought to you by Pfizer. And it's common. Here we go. Well, no, I, I appreciate that. I know that was kind of an odd uh, intro of the show. There's so much going on. I know uh, you're really low. Level. Are you next to your mic? Yeah, I'm right on the mic. Yeah, I'm right, right on the mic. Cranky. Yeah. Up. So we're, sorry, Alex, for having audio things. So you know, it used to be a long time ago on the Trump Report where uh, even Ernie at least had some uh, 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 at least uh, tolerance. Uh, to go over some of the details, which we would do um, about, in, in this case, the Department of Justice and the indictment of number 25 against Donald Trump and whatever. And we'll probably touch on that a little bit because it is kind of like the biggest story in some ways in the world, um, not just about the indictment and this and I mean, th- just the details of it, yeah, but the entire well, world, the entire world can see what is happening here in America. Um, you know, again, I follow a lot of, of, of international channels. I have some uh, some big news about uh, the the, the BRICS countries and the uh, gold backed currency, which I think this audience will be interested in. Uh, we'll get into that. But when you follow uh, for the international news, it's um, it's it's uh, God, it's 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 sad. It's it. Well, I don't know words to use. It's just depressing. Um, but it's also encouraging that the rest of the world is not is not falling for the crap that this administration or the deep state is doing. That. Enough countries. They don't and care. Regular people they don't, around they don't the care. World. They don't well, care. Well, no, they, 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 no. What do you mean they don't care? They, what do you mean they, they, they don't do care? care. The DOJ, you know, they they prosecute Trump. They had the judge, you know, is used to work at, you know, with Hunter. I mean, I was like, what the crap? <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, you you can't you can't make this up. I mean, it is. And, and, and even if you wind up reading it, it doesn't make sense about what the what, what what can you prove on this? I mean, the, what I'm saying is like, well, we could spend the time going into you know and splicing the indictment and the word play that they're using and all of this, but but what has happened is it's they've jumped the shark to such a degree on so many levels, right? That people don't uh, the average person is on to them now as far as not trusting the media. They've found other sources for for information. You know, they're not watching. You know, it's Fox News or CNN or what have you. We, we already know that. You know, we don't have to go long on that conversation. It's just they've already lost the narrative on it. And so when they're 
So when, when we're going to sit there and talk about the details of the indictment and this and that and that, I, I don't think anybody cares. I do hear a lot of this from my patients. Believe it or not, my guys come in, the, the frequent flyers, uh, God bless those guys who come in regularly to check their prostate numbers. And, you know, for a lot of the guys, just so you know, I don't, I don't bring up politics necessarily, but a lot of my guys I've seen for a few years, you know, a lot of them are uh, you know, more, you know, they, they own businesses, they're CEOs, they, you know, they, 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 they follow this kind of stuff. And when they come in, you know, a lot of my guys are doing pretty good. So we just kind of touch base on their numbers, make everything, you know, make sure that everything's good. And after half an hour of prostate talk and an hour of visit, a lot of times these guys start talking about other things, you know. And, and, and after all, medicine they and politics and friend. business, that they're, they're all kind of coming together. So, you know, I, I can't help it. I mean, they've gotten involved. COVID comes up often in my office, even though I'm not dealing with COVID typically, but it's affected all doctors and patients. So anyway, that's how politics somehow some, sometimes gets brought up in my office. So I, I, it's, it's, it's neat in a way, and I'm a privileged physician, use that word privileged, because, you know, physicians are, at least they used to be held to a certain level of, uh, of status as far as trust. Roads? It's the Ernest Hancock Show. Where we're going, there aren't any roads. The previous segment was with Dr. Frank Tamburi. That was just a small portion of the long conversations that we have. They averaged over four hours. And you can find them on Declare Your Independence with ErnestHancock.com or at the top right, the icon to the archive on FreedomsPhoenix.com. Freedom with an S phoenix.com now this final segment for this evening and then we'll say goodnight will be with james corbett corbettreport.com a fascinating and very effective storyteller and documentaries on his website about many things that are of great interest now we do a show every other week for several years and i think you'll get an idea and if you want to get the rest of that show you know where to find it. Declare your independence with ErnestHancock.com. Thanks for listening. The main thing is, as I articulated my concern in this to friends and family and other activists, I got the, kind of the same reply. They're like, I'm not worried about it anymore. I'm just getting ready. We're not going to stop it. We need to prepare for it. They're like super prepping, doing, I'm not, you know, they may tell their family, they may try and share with their kids, grandkids or something like that, but they're not trying to change anything. This isn't going to get changed. It's not going to be a vote political solution thing. And it has been, and I, just the day before this, I, for some reason, it came up and I watched because I thought Trump gave one UN speech. He gave two when he first started and then one later. You watch both of those, and it was, I thought they were pretty awesome. It was like, yeah, it's America, make America great again, America first, and America just like it should be for your countries. We're 190-whatever countries here, and if you're not for your people, then what the hell are you doing there? You know, we're all about and your own individuality and yada, 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 individualism and, you know, and your country and peace and, and peace and all that kind of stuff. So I was going, that's why... This, in opposition to the brave new world that they want, as now they're doing the orb and you get give them your iris so that you can get your crypto, they have taken the world coin, want to merge it in with the Federal Reserve. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Then you get um, Coinbase, the crypto exchange. The government goes and says, you need to take off all crypto 
except Bitcoin. And what do I say? Bitcoin's just going to be GoldmanSucks.gov coin, okay? So this is happening now while they're wanting to kill and euthanize all the cattle. They want you off the land. They want you eating bugs. I mean, it has gotten so... The trigger has been pulled, in my opinion. This, we're there. This is it. You know, there is no... There's not going to fix it. You're not going to vote yourself free. It ain't happening, okay? So I am, I am more concerned now that it's right here in our faces. I am more concerned now than I ever have been. And I've been concerned a lot, okay? What say you, James? I cannot disagree with that sentiment because absolutely you are correct. There is absolutely no way out of this from some political perspective because the system itself is fundamentally, I won't even say broken because I think the plan was to get us to this spot. Right. So it's working exactly as intended. But the point is that from within that system, you're not going to fix what is going on. It's like trying to fix the Titanic while you are on the Titanic and it's sinking. That's not, oh, I know, we'll elect a new captain. Of course, that's that's total nonsense. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it is already in in place. It is already taking place. And the question is more, what are we doing about what we can in our lives, more so than how we're going to change the system that we've been placed into? This creative society thing, I got this said to me by uh, a guest that I've had on the show regularly, and he, um, the economic truth, John Snyzen. And it was, and, and Trudeau is doing. A, he's in, he's Canadian, like you, and, or you were, you know, whatever. The uh, yeah, do you identify with a nation? Is that is that a Corbett thing? I mean, do you care? I mean, yeah, I don't know. At this point, what nation would I identify with? Right, I you know, yeah. I'm whatever. But the um, Creative Society is an international project. Blah 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 blah. It's New World Order. We're world citizens. We all want the same money, same passport, same human rights. Life is the highest, you know, attainment. Of course, you got to. You're not a woman until you have an abortion. But, you know, then it's a, you know, population control. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. It's just they, them, those. And then they, they want to go, well, who's funding it? Oh, if I, oh, it's just, you know, you know, really good people that want to. It's just volunteer. There's not, you know, it is so bad. I went through this and you can see the links and everything. It, and it's all at the same time. They're pushing this. You know, this this is, you know, the online forum, it started in um, this year, you know, in, in April. And I'm going, wow, this. So I think the trigger has been pulled. And when they get to the money and they get to the, you know, like they tried it with the COVID app, you know, what you could and couldn't do. Well, they're going to do it with the uh, digital currency and they're going to social credit score or whatever the hell. Um this is why I'm I'm so enamored with the idea that I got to do occupy the land because they want you off the land and it's going to be a challenge. We're going to set aside a couple oh, yeah. of acres of what we're getting. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to challenge. They're going to come after me. Mm. I don't recognize yeah. your authority. We're going to. So yeah. I may be talking to you someday from a jail cell, if at all. But the thing yeah. is, this is yeah. where it's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're exactly right. And you know. I'm very, very glad that there are people like you who are willing to challenge this because, yeah, you might not win. You might not win personally. You might be a martyr for this cause. But 
if if no one ever stands up and no one ever actually pushes on this, then we know where we're going. We know we know the destination that they have in mind. So the only thing that can work is not Ernest Hancock individually standing up. It will take many many people becoming aware of the issue and and motivated to do something about it. And that will not happen until, unfortunately, someone stands up and tries to do something about it. And people watch, oh, wow, they really took that guy down. Right. I wonder if there's something there. Yeah. Even that, I mean, I guess people could say we're pie-in-the-sky fantasists for thinking that people will ever care or ever do anything. But uh, I don't know. What's the alternative? To right. just sit on our hands and do literally nothing? I'm not leaving this fight to my grandkids. I'm not doing it. Yeah. You know, I just, yeah. I, you know, Donna, um, what really happened... Donna was like, hey, we're going we're gonna to build the house and we can finally and we can just, you know, Saturday. and then Arizona governor comes out and says, all homes that use a well for their water will not get building permits in Maricopa County. Done. You're not allowed. You got to get your SOMA through your uh, municipal water supply. <laughs> mm. you know? yeah. and, and I'm going, this is I you can't get away from it. Uh, so I, I, this is what I do. I'm going to challenge. I'm, I'm, and and there you're going to. Now I'll just set aside a couple acres. I'm not going to do the whole thing. You know, like, it'll be at least you know 20 acres or so, but out in the middle of the desert. But you can set. You know, I'll carve it up, put it in trust, give it to my kids, whatever they might let me live there. You know, but the um the spot of land that we're going to do this challenge, they're going to take. They're going to come after. Mm-hmm. They're going to find a day. They're going to do all the crap that they do. I need them to. I want them to. Bring it, sons of... Oh, man. Mm. They have no mm. idea. Well, a lot of them do. But, you know, they they got to go, <laughs> go through their... Not game. enough. You know? So this is... um, God. And, you know, Derek and I have been up here uh, building the equipment, doing his land. And that's one thing. You know, all this stuff, he doesn't care anymore. All he wants to do is get... He has, like... His grandfather left him 50-something acres. It's less than a mile from, from his home. It was all big area that his family moved in left him 50 something acres and we just been clearing land cutting trees leveling you know building whatever milling wood building sheds doing i mean it's just it's and he is so focused on that because the winter is coming i mean summer you get like a you know a few months of you know freaking you could do it and you know i'm helping with that while he and i just pray for rain because when it rains then we go in and we start building our equipment (laughs) so i'm like oh looks like it's gonna rain tomorrow we're gonna be building so this is um the mindset of all all my close friends they are just like ernie you, you, you know it's a race and you're behind so i'm really focused on this but then what do they do they do this right when it starts to get oh my god the aliens are coming yeah <laughs> yep. you know yep the headline cia cia has a well-documented history of planting fake ufo stories when they want to distract the public and yep. they have been doing it and nobody cares you know, yeah. CIA admits yeah, isn't that, that they, crazy? They did JFK and said they did this, they did that. We're going to die from whatever. And he goes, eh, whatever. I'm building. I'm saving. I'm, I'm, you know, converting to gold. I'm doing whatever's going on. And I'm, um, I. One of the stories I got tons of them. There has to be something that you know, like, like, make you allergic to meat ticks. I mean, God. I mean, yeah. if they can, they are. Exactly. This is that was one thing when you look at um, I did some research on 
the contemporaries of Huxley when he wrote Brave New World. And um, it, there was a lot of stuff going on at the time, you know, this dystopian future stuff. But this was, God, in, it's like 30s, you know, it's like 31, 32. I mean, it was, you know, long time ago. Of course, you know, socialism was, you know, a big new thing and all that kind of stuff. But um, there was not the technology that we have now, the capability of creating the medicine, the the mm. soma, the you know the controlled yeah. pharmacological control, social and economic engineering, the centralized banking system, the technology that they were talking about, the tracking of everything, all, all the stuff that they had these dystopian novels, they didn't mm. have back then. This technocracy yep. thing was what was going on. But keep in mind, uh, Huxley wasn't. Huxley wasn't just talking out of his posterior on that. He obviously comes from the Huxley family, going back to Darwin's bulldog, T.H. Huxley, back in the 19th century and all of that. Very esteemed royal society sort of family that was definitely part of the club. And he knew of, about the cutting-edge science and research that was going on when he wrote Brave New World. But then um, if you listen to his stuff from the end, towards the end of his life in the early 1960s, um, he was talking, for example, about the type of experiments that he'd been personally witness to of implanting the electrodes in the brain of the mice in order to make them feel pleasure or pain or whatever and to control them and uh, other such things. And he gave a lecture that I've cited a number of times. Actually, I think it was a series of lectures um, on the ultimate revolution or the final revolution where he was talking about the technocratic technological way of enslaving a population by making them enjoy their servitude so he definitely knew what he was talking about it was already in the planning stages they were already doing the work you know the better part of a century ago can you imagine how much more refined that technology is now well this is it's a generational thing you know this story I, i saw a video klaus schwab and the bloodlines of the illuminati well what it was it's his family it's sister, his dad, his mom, his brother. I mean, they're all part of the same thing. This has been going on for a long time. And all of a sudden, I don't know if it's out of desperation. All right, this is, you know, what came to mind. When baby Bush started running for president and they brought Dick Cheney out, you know, for VP, I'm going, what the crap? I mean, they're really, you know, they're they're going they're going to the home office, man. I mean, they're they're going in to corporate headquarters and saying, "Hey, we need one of you guys," kind of thing. And I'm going, this is what I'm seeing happening. Happening either they don't have confidence in the new generation or somebody to articulate what they want or feel that they got enough control on them or don't trust them or something. So they're going and getting the old guys. You know, they're getting, you know, I mean, it's not the same kind of people. It's the same people. It's I got just last week. I got Kissinger sitting down with Z from China. I'm like, what the hell? You know, how old is that guy? A hundred. Literally just turned a hundred. Still doing the same thing he was doing 50 years ago. Yeah, it is insane. It is objectively insane. It is a gerontocracy. And I've I've thought about this a lot. I mean, we're still we are still literally being ruled by the silent generation. Like what on earth is happening? And when will this generational change really take place? Um, It's got to come soon, right? Mitch McConnell's peeing himself on live TV. You know, there's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous, but we're still dragging on. Just to say yes. Oh yeah, I vote yes. Whatever. I mean, you know, it's just, they're, they're, it's it's beyond parody. I, I, Oh, you know, here's um, I want to get your you know, take on this. I haven't watched this yet. I have it set up to watch. It's uh, o- uh, O'Keefe 
you know, the guy that was Veritas and then, you know, O'Keefe Media Group, whatever, and um, uh, RFK Jr. And um, what do you think of RFK Jr. running? What What's your, you know, I mean, he's, you know, whatever. Politician. Yeah. Uh, okay. People know my political perspective. Um, in terms of, hey, is this a campaign that can get some truth out? I, I hope so. I hope it'll draw some people towards some issues. And we know how the mainstream is going to react to that. But we're hopefully in a position where most people understand that everything, everything that comes from these TV talking heads mouths is pure lies. So hopefully a few more people will wake up to some truth. That's all I would expect out of this. I'm not expecting him to win, even if he did. I'm not expecting him to change the world. So I'm not excited from the presidential perspective, but just as a platform to get some more information out about the truth about what happened over the past few years, at least, hopefully. You know, one thing that I didn't anticipate that came out um, was that there was admission by congressional uh, investigation in the late 70s on his uncle's uh, murder and they said that they knew the CIA was behind it. You know, this is coming out. And I'm and they're like, yeah. And I mean, you know, and then, of course, one of my big criticisms of Trump was that he promised to release the JFK files. And then he didn't, yeah. you know, and, yeah. well, and not he, all of them. anyway. Well, he, and then he appointed some to the CIA, some torture chick from, you know, rendition of what I'm like, what the crap was that? Then of course Biden promised he'd do it too, but I never expected that. The um, and as much as they hate Trump, they going after him for um, questioning election results. January sixth, whatever, got a third indictment. Right when all this stuff about Hunter and Biden coming out, it's I. I mean, I get the headline. Of course, we put it up on Freedom's Phoenix for those that care. I I can't bring myself to research it or read it or what. I don't care. Because, of course, what did you think they were going to do? You know, they do not want him up there. And it's not him. It's the people. They are against yeah. the people. And anybody that they want to make sure, ooh, you can't like him. And every time they do this kind of crap, his polls go up. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. DeSantis is going to be the Trump killer. And who's one of his advisors? Carl Rove. I'm like, are you yeah. kidding me? You know, this is so bad. It's in our face. So I'm um, they're just seeing what they can get away with if they're ready. Are, are, are the people ready? Are they conditioned enough? We got social and economic engineering. done. Can we pull the tr- another trigger? We got a whole bunch of we got big giant 30 round magazine, man. We're going to. Yeah. We're gonna do you know it what up. it is? OK, I've used this analogy a lot, but it's it's so accurate. This is the shadow play on the cave wall and we are watching it. And we all think this is so important. And look at that character. Look at that shadow. Look at that one. Wow. Meanwhile, we are all sitting here watching this. And if we simply got up and walked out of the cave, man, the entire world would change on a dime. You talk about that, you know, reference that a lot. I know what you're talking about. What was it? Plato? I can't remember. who. Yeah, Plato. So, you know, Plato's uh, shadows on the cave wall. Describe that for the audience, what that means. It comes up a lot, but a lot of people don't know what it means. Okay, it's the allegory of the cave, and I cite specifically which particular platonic dialogue it's located in, but I don't remember off the top of my head. I'll have to look that up. But anyway, it's been a, it's been like 30 years since I've read it. But anyway, uh, the idea is, uh, he says, imagine you are a, uh, there's a cave and you've got a bunch of people chained up 
uh, and f- basically in, in, in kind of a confined way that they can only look at the cave wall. And behind these people, you've got some people who set up a fire and they're, they, they basically do a kind of puppet play in front of this fire and the fire is projecting shadows onto the cave wall that all these people are watching. And there, these people have been chained up their entire life. So all they have ever known is the cave wall. It's all they can see. It's all they can focus on. It's all they've Plato ever known. didn't have TV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it was the forerunner, shall we say. So he's saying, okay, so these people, all they have ever seen are the shadows on the cave wall. So they start interpreting the world and life that way. They start looking at the shadows and they see this shadow pass and then this one does and then this one. And then they start constructing stories and narratives and, oh, uh, you know, this shadow is doing this. The Whatever, the snake god is eating the sun, whatever they come up with and blah, blah, blah. And that becomes their entire conception of the world. But one day, one of the prisoners manages to break free of his chains and he gets up and he stumbles out of this cave and for the first time, lays eyes on the real world and comes out into the full sunlight. And he's blinded because obviously it's the first time his eyes have ever seen full-on sunlight. So he can't can't even see. And then when his eyes start to clear and he starts to look around at the world, none of it makes any sense to him because he's seeing the actual real world for the first time and all he's ever seen is the shadows. And the idea here is, of course, in the platonic since the platonic ideal philosophy is about idealism and how we're only experiencing the the sort of the we're experiencing the world but we're not experiencing the real world that underlies us the world of ideas and forms and perfect platonic ideals blah 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 but i think the political analogy is an is an apt one because we are all sitting here focused on this political stage play as if it matters at all and if anybody in our audience has been following our work for the last decade or two or three or four in your case, uh, they, they know that it truly means nothing. It truly, truly, truly means nothing. It is just narratives that are being constructed that, that, that have been gamed and war, war gamed and tested out and polled to, uh, 18 ways from Sunday to see, you know, what will be the most effective narrative to get people to go along with this? And, oh, I know, we'll throw Trump in for a few years and he'll motivate people on the right. He'll motivate people against him on the left. And then we can have the uh, the scamdemic and he'll put in Operation Warp Speed and the MAGA jabs and all of this. They have this kind of stuff war gamed out all uh, before any of it even is a gleam in the eye of the people who are actually participating in this stage play. So what role is RFK Jr.? playing or being made to play. I mean, again, he doesn't have to be a witting participant in this. But more to the point, why should we care? We know that this is not how power really operates in our society. It is not about the political puppet in office. That is not how society really works. So once we stumble out of the cave and see, oh, the real world has nothing to do with this political stage play we've been watching all our lives, we might be overwhelmed. We might not be able to see because, oh my God, the blinding sunlight, I've never seen this before. But we better start adjusting our eyes to real reality before we get completely lost in this stage play that is leading us to mix metaphors and analogies here, leading us off a cliff. We are the lemmings stumbling off this cliff, leading our, following our leaders, misleaders, uh, and we're all going to perish if we continue to do that. We are getting to the really, truly the inflection point of human history. It's my pleasure sharing these with you and this perspective We are very optimistic, much more than you probably comes across on the show. 
We've been working on solutions. You'll be hearing a lot about that, too. When these calamities happen, it always comes down to eating. That's how they control the people. So you want to make sure that you got enough foodstuffs. And once you got, you know, the food and your shelter, you know, and you uh, got your medicines and, you know, all the basic stuff you need to survive, then you can start worrying about precious metals or how you retain your value. But you don't have to have the money to buy stuff if you already got the stuff. <laughs> so that's what we're working on. And we're kind of focusing on shelter now. This has been something we've been talking about for decades. I've been doing radio since 03 and been an activist since 88. So this is not to be taken lightly. But it's, and it's to be taken seriously, but not gravely. I mean, it's like, you know, you don't want to be scared into inaction. And a lot of times they do that so much so that you're looking to the government or some, you know, savior from the government that's going to take care of it for you. Here's your universal basic income. (laughs) Here's your shipping container down by the light rail system with everything a body needs gruel coming out of the plumbing. So we have to maintain our humanity. Our humanity. Our humanity. Which is what? Love. Compassion. Critical thinking. To pass on a better world to our children. To educate our children to be competent, self-sufficient adults. Very simple, basic stuff. And you'll get a lot of raw material on this show to help you with that very thing. And... You'll get scared a little bit, too, every now and then. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening this evening. Peace. I think to myself, what a wonderful to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the realtor mark warden now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in new hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. PorcupineRealEstate.com